pretty sure. Right, you good to go? Uh, I don't know, I guess so. Let's, okay. let's just do it. Let's just do it. Uh, <laughs> first item up uh, for today, quick PSA, folks. Uh, some of you will have noticed that there wasn't a podcast last month. That's because I'm rubbish at writing scripts on time uh, and the video was delayed. So, ergo, the podcast was delayed. Um, which wasn't great and I'd rather that doesn't happen a lot because I really enjoyed these podcast recordings and hanging out with Bill and talking to you and all that sort of jazz. So I think what we're going to do going forward is we're just going to record like first Sunday of every month regardless of whether or not I have a video out. Um, I think that's better than waiting until a delayed video comes out to record. Um, It's just more structured and that means you guys are getting consistent content, etc., um, I think that's what we're going to do going forward. Cool. Yep. I think it makes sense. Um, so I wonder would there be anyone in chat being like, no, please record less. <laughs> we want less of you, please. <laughs> we barely stand you as is. More content would just turn us off entirely. Exactly. We'll see a drop in patronage and views and the whole shebang after this. Um, so that's, that's the first thing. Uh, second thing is I have a, just a, a couple of quick short shout outs to stuff that's happened uh over the past two months um number one i uh for anyone who's interested uh i did an interview with world building magazine um uh they they talked to me about world building and being like a world building youtuber i'll leave links in the show notes if anyone wants to go check it out in general world world building magazine it's a it's a free like web publication i think it's free anyways as far as i I really as far as i know it's free um it's a free um web publication and it's really good really good quality like slick production um yeah the visual design is great and i had a blast doing it and they were lovely to me so uh go check them out show some support and if they have a patreon or something like that go consider chucking them a couple of bucks because they do good things um so yeah Warburg Magazine, and thank you, I think it was Adam, if I recall correctly, because it's been like now two months since I talked to him, but I think it was Adam who conducted the interview with me. So shout out to Adam, and shout out to Warburg Magazine. Y'all were great. I had a blast. Links in the show notes. Um, so that's the first thing. Uh, the other thing is uh, John Lang, who's been mentioned on the show a couple times before, uh, again, about a month or two ago. OG fan. OG fan. Um, a month or two ago, uh, they created a so new subreddit called Celtic Linguistics. Obviously, this is going to get a mention on this show. Nice. Uh, it's a, a subject near and dear to both our hearts. So again, links in the show notes. Go check out Celtic Linguistics. Um, and as with many new subreddits, um, a lot of them kind of like um, tend to be DOA, you know, as in they get created and then mm-hmm. they just kind of fade a little bit. So if you're in any way interested in linguistics, which I assume you are, and Celtic linguistics, which why aren't you? Uh, go check out Celtic linguistics subreddit. Uh, shout out John Lang. It's a really cool idea. Great. Yeah, uh, that's, that's class. I will actually, hold on, I'm going to sub to that immediately. One second. Oh, there you go. Look at Bill. Bill doing, Bill doing God's no, no, work over here. I have to log in. Okay, hold on. It won't be quite as immediate. Give me one second. <laughs> uh-huh. Join. There we go. Woo! Uh, real quick, without getting into a big talk about it, uh, how are you finding the Reddit redesign now that it's kind of not really new anymore? It's It's been around for a while. I don't like it. You don't like it? Mm. No. Interesting. I had to go do some web archive stuff recently, and I went back to an older uh, version of Reddit, like in the Wayback Machine, and I was like, wow, I have my qualms with the new Reddit, but by God, the old Reddit looked awful. Um, it looked, 
it's weird like looking back at it you're kind of like this looks like how the old internet looked you know like back in the day yeah. it was just yeah it was uh, i think it's very strange. i think overall it's been i think it's been relatively positive i think um yeah. I think I, I can see how this is a more slick design and how the old design wasn't wasn't like very aesthetically pleasing, but it was easy to use. It was a, it was a, a usable interface. Whereas now I think things are in um, unintuitive places and like they they've changed the way stuff works now that you click into a into a thread and it doesn't really open the thread it just kind of shows you the thread and then you have to click in again to actually get into it and hmm. it's even worse on mobile um yeah no I'm, i i think it's i think it's it has put barriers against my use well, I think I remember. Here's us now talking about Reddit. God damn it, Edgar. Um, the, I think the uh, one of the big problems I had with it back in the day was its search function was awful. Yeah, uh, I that's think, still pretty bad. <laughs> well, I, I think they've improved it somewhat because I remember there's loads of times where I just like I tried to search things and I just couldn't. Like I could not find what I'm looking for. And mm-hmm. now, like you have to do a little bit of like extra clicking to be like no i actually want you to search all of reddit or i just want you to search search this subreddit or whatever but like in general it seems to return what i'm expecting whereas that was not consistent before um Mm -hmm. so i think that's a a side improvement and i also think the the back end stuff is a bit of an improvement um and the uploading of content is is a little bit neater i think Um, yeah that bit they've definitely improved which makes sense because I'd be like, you know, content is king and the more they can make it, the easier they can make it for people to make content and put content on a site and the more traffic, you know. Whereas before it was a bit kind of, it was a bit kind of, you needed to be a bit of a, a geek to, um, like a computer geek to make it happen. Um, in particular, the, the, the UI stuff was just, oh, that was, that was head wrecking back in the day. Um, so yeah, it has its problems, but it certainly, God, it certainly makes the old Reddit look old as hell. Mm. Crazy old. Um, yeah, anyway. I, I've I've no objection to things that are just old, like as long as they're functional. Yeah, th- that's fair. That is fair. That is fair. Um, anyhow, so that was that was a point point two of quick shoutouts. Uh, three, third, and final quick shoutout uh, goes to um, I'm going to mispronounce this. I'm sorry, Jasper Charlet. I think um, they are a 23 year old bassoonist. I believe is their uh, bassoonist and composer. And uh, they are into composition and they're into conlanging. And they went ahead and created their first opera, an opera called Hera, which is written in their own conlang, a PIE-derived conlang. And I I feel kind of bad that I'm bringing them up uh, now because they were running a campaign on Indiegogo. And they, they, they hit me up on Discord and were like, hey, would you be interested in, in publicizing this? And I was like, God, I'd love to, but we actually don't have a recording, uh, like a podcast recording um, scheduled for ages. So I, I fear that your fundraiser is going to run out by the time we record, uh, which, which it has done. But I'm still going to give them a shout out. And I still would encourage people to go to Indiegogo and have a look at... Um, the media that's there um and the, there's also links to the documentation of the conlang that you can check out it's like really thorough it's really good and from the little bits i've heard of the opera it seems quality um cool because like not to be harsh to people who watch artifacts in but i do i do get a lot of emails from it's probably from kids to be fair but they're like i'm creating this project and they leave a link or whatever and it's kind of not the best uh project in the world 
Um, and so when Jasper reached out to me, I was kind of like, oh, kind of here we go again. Um, it's another kind of 14 year old who thinks that they've written the next Game of Thrones or whatever. Um, and then I started listening to stuff and I was like, oh no, you're like a serious composer and you're also a serious conlanger. This is actually a serious work of art. Uh, and they managed to raise like five grand or something to to get the thing up up and off the ground. So um, yeah, check them out, and I'm sure they're going to go back to Indiegogo for more funding at some stage. Um, and you know, follow them, follow them on Twitter or whatever, and support where you can because this is dope. Like new music, conlanging, great. Like what more could you want? Hmm. That that ticks multiple of our shared interests. It it definitely does, and particularly mine because like I've written a not so good opera. Or operetta, and I've also done conlang. So I'm kind of like it was this weird thing of being like, oh look, it's like another Edgar. You and I are like <laughs> almost identical in our in our in our, uh, in our sort of uh, artistic passions. Um, so yeah, it was pretty good, man. It was all right, as with everything, man. Like the minute I'm finished making a thing, like during the making of a thing, I think it's the greatest thing I've ever done. And then the minute it's finished, I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever done, and I'm ashamed that it's out there. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was it was good. It was fine. It was good. Um, but yeah, it wasn't anything revolutionary, and certainly wasn't as good as a lot of the stuff uh, my peers were doing. Like that mm. one chap we know who continuously churns out amazing music, like a production line, and like how does he do that? But he just keeps doing it. Oh, <laughs> I'm assuming you know who you're on about, yeah? Who I, I have an idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so those were shoutouts uh, to yeah, World uh, World Big Magic Magazine, Celtic Linguistic Subreddit, and Hera, the PIE Conlang Opera. Go check out the links and support all the folks where necessary. Um, they do they're doing good things. Um, and then so the final thing in a sort of like pre-show stuff uh, I'd like to cover um is we are going to review axioms end at the end of the show which is usually where we do bank of artifexia but uh we can't put it there uh, this episode for reasons for obvious reasons so uh let's do a bit of bank of artifexia now bill let's so uh before we get into this i have a confession to make i actually mm-hmm. don't know because i had a, i wrote see I, as i get stuff in the mail folks i make little notes to just be like yeah, I just write like Bank of Artifexia to remind myself you have to top up Bank of Artifexia this month. Um, but uh, this month or over the past two months, I realized I need to be more specific because I knew that there was Bank of Artifexia to be talked about. And then yesterday I went to gather up the, the mail I'd received and it occurs to me, I actually don't know who I need to talk about here. And I'm very confused as to what I referred to when I wrote Bank of Artifexia in my notes. I, after, like, a good deal of, like, detective work trying to figure out who I have or haven't talked about, I think I've come across the person that I was originally referring to, but there is a non-zero chance that this is going to be a verbatim regurgitation of a previous Bank of Arifexia, and there's kind of very little I can do about it, so, uh, apologies in advance. I, I'm fairly sure this, this, we haven't done this one. So so am I, but I I can't. And the reason why I'm I'm not a hundred percent certain is because, um, because everyone sends the mail through the PO box. Yeah. There's like a massive delay, so lots of people will be like, you know, they'll date their their letter like March, for example, and I don't get it until like June. So it's like literal months later. So if I don't immediately talk about it and I put it in my little box of artifacts in fan mail, it becomes kind of just mixed up with everything and you're like oh, i have no chronology to go on here so i'm hoping 
this is okay and I'm hoping there's someone I'm hoping that there's not someone listening going like oh my god this is great they're going to top up my entry and I'm and then we just completely miss it so I'm I'm sorry uh, but anyways hopefully hopefully this is it it comes from Samuel DeBarber ah yes who has written in before and it was gasped before I even read like who wrote this thing I was like this is that fan- that person who does the fancy handwriting uh, because they're they're um their message is, you know, written in calligraphy, with beautiful, beautiful handwriting. And I was like, that's that, that person. I looked down and I was like, yes, it's Samuel. Um, so Samuel sends a uh, 1,000 um, Costa Rican, what's it called? Col- colons? Colons? Colon? I don't want to say colon. That's got to be... Uh... Well, there's, there's, a, there's an accent on the second vowel there. So colon. Maybe. Well, sure, I don't know what that accent does at all. Is um, it just not? Is that not just stress? Stress in Spanish? Stress. Stress. <laughs> I, I don't know my Spanish. It's very is. Irish there. I know. I know very little about Spanish. Um, and Spanish is I think you could be right, but yeah. Cologne. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm looking at Wiktionary here, so it's definitely stress in the second syllable. Can I just call it like Cologne and then just like go halfway there? <laughs> I, will, um, I will i will trade you 1000 of this german city yeah exactly um i i that blew my mind as a cologne, kid when yeah. i was like cologne is actually cologne and i was like that's mad because usually most place names are just kind of like the place name but mangled into the uh foreign countries uh, phonology but i was like oh no this is like y'all have just tacked on a whole bunch of letters that just aren't even there like the g where did the gne come from man like that's ridiculous. It's spelled K O umlaut L M, and then we go C O. What is it? C O L G N E. You're like what? C O L O G N E. Like what? What is that? Who does that? That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Cone. It's not hard. Just call it cone. Um. So anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, so that's uh, yeah. One thousand Costa Rican uh, co- uh co- cologne. Um, yeah. No. It's 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 the same as how the 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 city is is named in English. Cologne. Cool. Cologne, yeah. Cologne, brilliant. As well, according to looking at the name of the city on on Wikipedia and the, the name of the currency on Wiktionary, the IPA for them is the same. So. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so what we have here, links to show notes, check out the notes. Uh, we have a colour scheme. I find this note interesting because um, colours, first off, um, the red and green mix, like I never like anything that's red and green mixed. I think they just they don't work as colors, even though they're complementary colors. I just think Portugal they, has left the chat. Portugal has left the chat, uh, and I don't think Portugal works either. Nor do I think Morocco works. Jesus, the Moroccan flag is just—it's such a car crash. Build the Moroccan flag with those colors. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, but I find them just—they um, either look like kind of sorry Costa Rica. They either look like kind of garish Christmassy colors. Or they make my head hurt because they like clash with each other. So I saw this and I was like, Ugh, green and red everywhere. That's 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 nuts. Um, and the other the uh, one of the things that made me laugh when I saw this was that there's a deer on it, and mm-hmm. we had that show with deer with antlers. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh look, it's a deer with <laughs> antlers. notes with antlers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Packed up with antlers. So that made me laugh. Uh, and then the bloke at the end for anyone who uh, who cares about this, the, uh, the bloke on the obverse or whatever it's called uh, or reverse probably would be um is Bar- uh, braulio carillo colina 
and he was he was knocking around from 1840 to 1842 he seems like a complicated chap from the little bit of um reading i did on on wikipedia he seems to have a couple of kind of like he like he was a, a statesman I think mm-hmm. he was the president at some stage, or whatever, the de facto leader of 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 Costa Rica. Um, he seemed to have done a lot of really good things. Um, uh, in terms of making Costa Rica, um, improving Costa Rica's position in the world. But he seems to also have a like a massive authoritarian slant to him. Uh, like according to Wikipedia, he made laws that effective effectively made him like a leader for life. Um, sort of, sort of jazz. So it was an interesting Wikipedia read. I was kind of like, oh, that, that's that's good, good man. And I was like, mm, that's not so good. Mm, no, no, we don't like that. That's all right. It's like, no, no, no. So it seems like he's a he's a complicated individual. Sorry to any Costa Ricans uh, listening. I get the impression that he you have various streets named after him things. So I don't know if he's seen as um, a, a good character um, a, a, in your in your culture or not. But just from my impressions, from my ignorant foreigner impressions, I thought he was. Um, it was a, a mixed individual, which, you know, to be fair, that's just humans. Humans are mixed anyways. Um, and then finally, that is uh, 161, 1,000 Costa Rica colognes are uh, 161 USD, 116 Great British Pounds, 136 uh, euros. Uh, and yeah, that is, that's that. Thank you, Samuel. Neat. And I don't think Samuel actually, I'm sorry, I'm just sorry about the, oh, ASMR. Um, I don't think Samuel actually had any sort of questions. I think, yeah, they just they told they tell tell a story of how they became to get this note. And again, I just want to stress to people like, please don't be sending like actual treasured memories to me because like Samuel writes here that um, like the note came uh from a friend who got it from relatives or whatever. And I'm just kind of like, that should be something you should perhaps hold on to and not send it to me. Uh, so I'm I'm very very grateful. But again, I want to stress to people just. Send me your kind of like trash change from when you go on holiday somewhere. Please don't send something that's of sentimental value to you. Um, so yeah, Bank of Arifexia. Bank of Arifexia. Uh, Samuel, thank you so much. That's really cool. And your handwriting is baller. It's just, it's it's so, it's anachronistic in a sort of cool way. Like I receive your letter and I'm like, it's like reading a document from like over a hundred years ago. And it just, there's <laughs> a class feeling to it. So it's really, really dope. Um, but that's all for pre-show, Bill. Should we do some follow-up? Yeah, we could do some follow-up. Uh, so, first point in follow-up is actually something you asked me to to bring up. I don't remember asking you to bring this up, but I'm going to take your word for it. Well, you it's it's in cold hard text on Reddit. Uh, okay. We were talking the last episode about the Last Kingdom, I think, mm-hmm. and how you found it strange the the characters using RP mm-hmm. speaking with with RP accents, which uh, which it is strange. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. But that that was the that was what you, what you're bringing up. Sure. And I think I didn't think to say when we we're when we were talking about it last week, but it occurred to me afterwards. And it's it's a I think I've had a, kind of a lot of thoughts about the the depictions in it is Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which it's the the most recent Assassin's Creed game. It came out last November. Mm -hmm. And the premise of it is that you're a a Norwegian who settles in England in the mid-800s, thereabouts. Also kind of around the time of The Last Kingdom. Yeah, I think it's set slightly before. Yeah, I think it's slightly earlier, yeah. Um, 
yeah, because I, th- I remember reading the the premise of of Last Kingdom, and the stuff with the Great Dane army happens in the in like the backstory of the main character, and this is like Daisy Valhalla happens just afterwards, like a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, roughly, it's the same kind of period. Yeah. And the way that the way that they handle this kind of language thing is quite interesting. When you speak to NPCs, when you're actually like having dialogue as the main character with NPCs, it's always in English, and the accents are kind of appropriate to where the NPC is from. So the Norwegians will speak with Norwegian accents, or at least they. I mean, I don't know enough about Norwegian accents speaking English, but that's how they come across to me. And mm-hmm. um, when you're in England, the Anglo-Saxons will speak with English accents, modern accents that are kind of appropriate to. Uh, region and class so it's not like historically accurate but it's not giving everyone RP either cool cool so I'm Um, I'm assuming there's like Cockney and all that stuff in there uh, I can't remember London is actually like London is is featured but it's you know it's it's a reasonably small Hmm. can't remember whether there's Cockney Um, but that's that's dope I I like the not whitewashing with RP yeah that's cool. Um, and then, like in in you know, you meet Welsh characters and Scottish. Well, you meet Pictish characters um, who speak with Scottish accents. And one of the DLCs is set in Ireland, and the accents aren't dreadful, which they usually are in anything depicting Ireland in anything. Um, I, I don't. I don't. Sorry, Bill, to cut across there. I don't understand why it's so difficult to get an Irish accent right. Like. Just hire an Irish person. Yeah, I, I I can think of about six million people who can do it really well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but when you're in, when you hear dialogue in the background, it is in the relevant languages. So when you're just walking around England, if you like pass people on the street, they'll be speaking in Anglo-Saxon, or you you'll hear people in the background, or if you're fighting Welsh, the 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 soldiers will call to each other in Welsh. Um, and old Irish when you're when you're in in Ireland, or possibly some of it's some of it might be modern Irish. I'm not I sure. would imagine some of it's modern Irish. Um, yeah. but that's that's a nice balance. It mm. it reminds me, I could be wrong, but it sounds something similar to what the Age of Empire games did, I think. Uh, because I remember thinking way back when I played like Age of Empires two or whatever, um. I remember, yeah, when conversing with a character, like if you're talking to Joan of Arc, Joan of Arc will speak in English, but with a French accent to you. Mm-hmm. But then during the, the actual campaign, um, the sort of sound bites that the like the background characters would make as they attack or whatever would be in, it's either in gibberish or it's in a, in the appropriate language. Mm-hmm. I think it sounds something similar to Age of Empires. That's that's a that's a nice balance, I think. Yeah, and, and I'm fairly sure that they are using the appropriate languages here because when well, not exactly because but like because when you're finding the Picts, I'm pretty sure they're speaking in Scots Gaelic, which cool. obviously they wouldn't be. They would speak Pictish, but they're still the Scottish characters, sure. and I could understand little bits of what they were saying because it's similar to Irish. Um, well, could you could you understand the Irish people? Uh, I didn't play enough of the Irish DLC to to hear enough of the background speech to to decide. Yeah, I wonder if just on the accent thing one more time. I wonder if there's something about the way we talk that's just maybe particularly hard to mimic because like 
every person who goes to do an Irish accent, it just it never works really. In mm. in a in a way that I don't hear like when people do English accents, um they usually pull off fairly well. Like people can like fairly easy mimic like a Liverpool accent. Um or Cockney accents I, I see people not having problems with. West Country, cool. Like people t- tend to nail it. Uh up near Geordie accents, like that they all work. They all I can see Americans doing those actions, uh, accents, say, and still getting it right. But then the minute they try Ireland, it's just, it falls to pieces. Well, maybe we just don't notice how bad they are. Because they're not native to us well, in I, the same way. I, I would agree with that. But I think, at least in this house anyways, there is enough English media going on. Uh, That's my next point, yeah. That, I I think I still have a fairly good gauge. Like, I, you know, again, a football. I watch English football all the time. So I'm constantly you know, listening to English people talk in their accent. So I think I have a fairly okay gauge. Um, if I hear someone do a Geordie accent, I think I can be like, yeah, that sounds like, that sounds like the Geordie footballers. Cool. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what it is. And well, yeah, I, I think that kind of leads into, into the, the next one I was going to make, which is that everyone gets uh, American media. So everyone is very familiar with American accents. And even in the States, they get a lot of British and English media. So they're reasonably familiar with British and English accents. Mm. People in the UK and the States don't get a lot of Irish media. So their understandings of Irish accents are based on previous uh, bad imitations. Yeah. But that's that's entirely fair. And like, that's what's occurring for sure. But you'd think that if you were... um going to make a game uh, where you need to feature some Irish accents. You just, like, I don't know, get some recordings of Irish people. Like, it's not... get Like, Google Irish vlogger and just listen to them at length and then have mm. a person who does accents replicate that. Like, it's not... It's not difficult. Like, I don't... If you're good at accents, yeah. I don't think it's it's that difficult. I don't think there's anything inherent about the way we speak that is difficult to replicate. Yeah. Um, so just, just find two handsome Irish men in their 30s who are looking for extra work. Like there's nothing, there's nothing difficult about that. <laughs> oh my god! Maybe part of it is that we've such diversity of 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 accents that they just, yeah. they throw up their hands and they're like, whatever, man. We'll just go for Leprechaun. It's grand. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Because I think we had a comment back in the day where uh, remember your brother came on the show for a bit, and someone mm-hmm. commented was like, "This is the oddest thing ever." Like I I can accept that you and Bill have different accents. You grew up in different areas. But the fact that, like, Bill and his brother have a different accent that they grew up in the same house. <laughs> I, I was like, that is kind of what Ireland is. Like, you kind of, like, go down the street a bit. Or, like, here, Roder, if you go up the mountain a little bit, people just talk entirely differently. And it's like a 10-minute drive away. Oh, yeah. It's well, that's crazy. mountain people, though. That's mountain people, though. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, 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 so that was uh, AC Valhalla uh, follow-up, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that and I have a thing to bring up uh, just a really quick few really quick points um, Kara Sarian who again I think has contributed to the show uh, before um, brought up a thing about rhotic harmony I talked about last time about how rhotic harmony is uh, I speculated that it's probably extinct uh, and Keras steps in with a great correction so I just thought I, I'd read it out on air 
they say about rhotic harmony uh, it is true that Uruk, the most f uh, famous case of rhotic harmony did unfortunately go extinct extinct fairly recently though there are revival efforts uh, but some variety of rhotic harmony is also found in the Chiang languages uh, which live on and the Chiang languages which I'm pronouncing wrong apologies are um, like a subset of, of, of Chinese languages um, so contrary to my speculations hmm. on the last show rhotic harmony is a existing thing currently it has it has not died out entirely though it is exceptionally rare yeah okay so that's in those languages spoken in Sichuan in kind of centralish China yeah neat yeah so that was a good correction so thank you for that because I, I was working on the assumption that Europe was pretty much the only um the only example of it so that's cool so i've updated my knowledge excellent um <laughs> so then a, a couple of other quick points um we also got uh, another couple of a uh, couple of other emails i just wanted to fire through here uh, ryan grant sends us uh, an email um about ocean currents and and figuring them out and um, now it, it's quite a long email so i'm not going to read it all i'm just going to paraphrase it and uh, the, the basic gist was what do you do when you go to put ocean currents on a world and they just don't match up, like the shape mm -hmm. of your lands or whatever create sort of weird ocean currents and you can't figure out how they would interact, etc. And that's happened to me a couple of times. And in prepping for uh, those ocean current videos, um, I remember, you know, coming up with a demo land system and going, I don't actually know how this would work. Uh, and I've, I've ran into this problem myself. So just real quick, the two tips that I give you here, well, let's call it three tips um, that I give you here is one, uh, feel free to change the land masses. Like that's always a thing you can do. You could just be like, ah, life would be so much easier if this was connected. I very often just connect them uh, if there's no story reason not to. Um, two, remember uh, in the videos I said that ocean currents are like a deep ocean thing, like so on continental shelves, we don't really care about them, nor do they kind of exist really. They kind of become like eddy currents and they're more chaotic, etc. Um, so if ever you have like a bay or something that seems to cause weird ocean currents, stick a continental shelf in there and then you can use that to redirect it into something simpler. <laughs> uh, which, you know, to be fair... Life hack. <laughs> it's, it's totally valid. There's no reason why you shouldn't do that. And the, the, the third is, the least satisfactory, I think, is um, hand wave. And just be like, this is, I guess, how they go. Don't really make sense, but fine. Hand wave it that mm -hmm. way. I would be in favor of doing the continental shelf thing. Um, because it can be a neat way of generating underwater topography, in a way. You could look at it like that. Um, yeah, so those are my tips there. I hope I hope that that helps you out, Ryan. Um, so that was Ryan, and the next one, uh, next email we have comes from Beans Chango. Great username. Uh, I believe I believe we had a, a, an emailer before called Beans, and I wonder is it the same Beans, but they just now have submitted their their second name, or or maybe it's a case that every time this person emails, a new name will be added on, so we'll get like Beans Chango. Reginald the third 
after like the fourth iteration of emails. If that's the case, I hope it is because that's really fun. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. E- emailing a podcast is definitely a reason to change your name. <laughs> that's that's the logical conclusion. No, I mean it's just the nickname section of the fill out form. So like, just just go mad there, beans. Every every time we get an email, from, I'll know it's you, beans. If every time we get an email from you, there are more for more names. So like, go go and do that. That'd be great. Anyhow, the subject is uh, bringing imperialism slash colonialism home. I think in the last show I. Talked talk i was musing about uh that it must be kind of weird for uh colonial um empires to bring back the subjugation practices they impose on others back to the home country because oh yeah that that, that was derived from from my world building because exactly. the, the policing tactics were, were were developed abroad and brought back by the tamar company Exactly. And for me, that seemed really weird because, like, you know, I can easily see someone wanting to cruelly subjugate other people, but it's less likely in my mind that they want to do that to themselves. Now, obviously, class there plays a role, and I'm assuming elites would have no bother subjugating poorer working classes, etc. But it, yeah. it, something about it just seemed like it would be a bit of a weird thing to just take very draconian things and just bring them back to your country. Um but uh, Beans writes in uh, and says that there, this is actually a thing and there's a label for it and it's called uh, Foucault's Boomerang, mm-hmm. which is a remarkably fun name for something really not cool. Um, but there you go. So I learned something new again there. Foucault's or Foucault's or however you pronounce it, Boomerang. I mean, he he does have a funny name. I don't think he was a particularly fun kind of guy, though, Foucault. <laughs> is he the guy from The Pendulum? Is he Mr. Pendulum? Uh, there is Foucault's Pendulum as well. I can't remember what that means, though. But he, he's the guy who wrote loads about prisons. Oh, so that... Oh, is that the connection? That, like, a lot of... Lots of um, imprisonment systems came back to France? Not, not. No? I would. I don't think directly, but like that, they were they were an interest of his. That was, I think, he probably noticed because he was interested in kind of the the organization of power in society. Was uh, Foucault was a philosopher, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, but there you go. We learned a new term. Well, at least I learned a new term. Uh, term. Foucault was boomerang. Did you know about this, Bill? Uh, I, I hadn't heard of that term before, but I mean, I I'm was vaguely aware of the the practice um and yeah no it's 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 uh as i said it's it's a thing that you 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 do see kind of happening uh, and i guess what what i hadn't thought of uh but it's probably a very immediate example for a lot of people this isn't in terms of tactics or things but if we look at the, the states excess military hardware that was developed because, or that was was generated and manufactured because it was expected to be used in foreign wars, is is just sold to police departments, um, and veterans who have been used to to doing colonial violence often end up, you know, they can get jobs. A lot of them go into jobs in policing. Yeah. Now, without without getting too much into like you know, oh look what the states are doing in politics and that sort of jazz. Uh, I, I recall, I mentioned on the show before years ago, but I'll bring it up again because it's been a lasting memory uh, for me. When I was in LA for Patreon, low those many years ago, um, I remember coming out of that coffee shop in, oh God, where was it LA? Was it downtown LA I was in? I can't remember. But I came out of a coffee shop anyways, and this police car just rocked up to get donuts or whatever they do. Uh, and like, it wasn't, there wasn't anything going on. Like there was like no policing was happening. They just stopped out of the shop. And then, like, this car 
looks like it's like a Robocop car. Like this, sorry, I shouldn't swear, sorry. This, this like big, like, like honking reinforced thing, you know? Like, like our police cars look kind of like just street cars, but these look like souped up monsters of things. And then out mm. steps this bloke and he's in like body armor and like visible guns. And I was like, I knew I was doing nothing uh, wrong, obviously. And I knew, uh, you know, given the color of my skin, chances are nothing would happen but like god damn like i felt really uneasy and i felt really like scared in a way i was like i am afraid of this person like what happens if this person like weaponized to the nines here what happens if he just had went through a divorce or he had a bad day or what happens if like his medication is off or whatever like like so many things go wrong here and it just it was it was like being confronted with an army dude minus the camouflage it was mad and then the contrast between that and like say the local guards in my town they're just normal dudes do you know like there's no guns no body armor there's no like tank like cars they're just just dudes like they wear a shiny mm. yellow jacket sometimes um it's just it's crazy and i i couldn't I, I couldn't it was just a weird thing to to reconcile my brain like just yeah just it's like actual scared and like i'm i'm a white guy you know like i can only imagine what it's like for minorities when they see mm. when they see things like, like it's just mental absolutely mental anyway sorry that was mildly politics yeah i'm sorry folks uh but anyway so then uh last email bill uh this one is from yolanda dafron yeah, so this is uh, an interesting one in that I'm going to bring it up because I'm going to try and mine Artifexia for tips and advice here. Um, Yolanda, so the basic gist here is that uh, Yolanda is blind and uh, they're talking about, they're asking about like how, if I could make Artifexia, like the videos, because I'm assuming there isn't a problem with the podcasts, uh, make the videos more accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, to this and this is a thing like I'm not going to lie and say that like I, I think about all the time but it's there is every so often like I like I proof check colors on my video to check for color blindness and I, I pay a little bit more attention to the, the rate at which I talk in the videos just for people like you know for accessibility reasons like as in if I'm going 90 miles an hour it might be hard to understand and hear particularly with my yeah. accent and I try and like be, be conscious of it but I'm not some saint who spends all their time thinking about it so I don't want to come across like that uh, but the blindness thing I've, I've thought about that a couple of times and I've been like this is a really difficult problem to solve be- mm-hmm. because it's visual media and there's so much that I do that makes my life easier in terms of information and transfer that is like really hard for blind people like one of my favorite tactics when making videos is to be like uh so you take this this and this and then i just flash it on screen so i don't need to burn the words saying what i'm putting on screen so i use the screen as a means of writing less words but then yeah you think about it and you're like well if you're blind you know this this and this and this means literally nothing um so th- th- Yolanda wrote and caused me to start thinking again about this. So I, I wanted to bring it up and just ask Artifexia, um tips, any suggestions what you, what one could do or do you listen to media, visual media or do you watch visual media where you know there's been some catering to uh, visually impaired people uh, and if, if that's the case, send me some emails and tips on that because like if it's a thing 
that I can do, like, and it's not something that would like fundamentally change how artifact scene works or like the look of the videos or the feel of the videos. Like, I'll definitely do it, like, because you know, the more the merrier. Um, so yeah, I just want to mine artifacts here for accessibility options mm. when it comes to blindness in in visual media. I mean, my, my reaction here was, yeah, this this is a really good point, and this is a thing that you know we ought to be uh, able to cater for. Um, and surely there must be some material out there, you know, from the centuries of of teaching linguistics. Um, that there must be some kind of resource on how to communicate the the IPA, but yeah, maybe there isn't. Um, oh, uh, on that, sorry, on that, uh, Yulanda did specifically talk about like um, how when I flash up the IPA chart, uh, you know, they can't see it, so they don't understand. They can't uh, visualize how it will be structured. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I did a little bit of digging into that. I, I think I think one can get a Braille IPA chart. Um, Neat. I think that exists now. Like there's definitely, I can confirm that they've definitely come up with braille versions of each of the symbols. Whether or mm. not you could find some sort of, I don't know, company that prints out the chart so you can like actually feel it in its, you know, its rows and column form, I that I don't know. But I, there's got to be something there, I'd imagine. But that doesn't really solve the problem of the video. Yeah, you can't you can't put that in a YouTube video. Like. I can't put that in a YouTube video, and nor can I put it in a the script document, which is in, in the description, because um, mm. that's that's why there's like there's kind of significant barriers to making it more um, blind accessible. And yeah. now, obviously, what you could do, um, and I guess if in a world where um, views and money and income didn't matter, what you could do is you could like meticulously, you know, narrate what is on screen. Um, but that would lead to, I think a lot of people would just check out at that point and just be like, I'm not going to spend, you know, a minute or two of this video watching them describe an IPA chart. Yeah. So there's a balance, like, because there's a balance to be struck Is there, there a way to put in, like, annotations that can be, de- like, then read out by a screen reader? Yeah, see, that, and that's, again, why I want to mine the yeah. artifacts here, because I, until I got this email, I didn't even realize that's the technology, a screen reader. Like, I don't, I still don't really understand what a screen reader does. Like, it, like, it, it watches the screen and it, like, narrates what my video is doing automatically. Well, I, I, I don't know if, if they work at all with, with videos. Um, mm. I, 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 I'm aware of their usage for social media and stuff, but, so I it, mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's not going to be able to say Edgar points to the left side of the screen i mean it's i i doubt there's that kind of video analysis exists in in any kind of commercial form yeah yeah i, I see I, I don't know i just don't like and i don't have anyone in my uh immediate family or friends that is uh visually impaired that i can kind of tap for this um so yeah if anyone has any ideas or know of creators that have done something to be a little bit more uh, inclusive to visually impaired people uh, send me an email and um, yeah I'd, if it's if it's a thing that can be uh, incorporated into my workflow without radically changing how artifacts works I will yeah, I'll totally do it because like why the hell not mm. um, yeah that okay yeah absolutely absolutely that, that's something that I'm I'm very interested in as well to see how how this can be achieved Uh, so, as uh, keeping with tradition, 
uh, and because I've talked for ages for most of the first section of the show, uh, I think it's high time <laughs> Bill talked for a while now. So we're going to do some world building. Whee! Let's do it. Let us do it. Um, we have once again uh, returned to the world of Ikeren. And this is a letter, as is the custom, and it is from a familiar voice that that uh, listeners of the podcast may recall. My dear cousin, I write to you with joyous news. My interminable wait has come to an end, and I am at long last in command of my own vessel. I have bored you at length with the dreary details of this last period of service in the depot. No doubt the ire of my old captain kept me among the groundsfolk for so long. Has she forgotten my valour at Selen Lake, or my navigation in returning the prize beyond the Usin belt? Or perhaps another officer, wielding their connections and influence, has seen fit to punish the upstart Yartlin. For I have made enemies by the score, dear cousin, though I care for it not. Has word of my success at the card table reached the rumour mongers at home? No doubt they too say I cheat. Well, they shall not laugh now that I have my own vessel. Soon I shall show them my worth, and none can say my success was unfairly earned. Now, I am not a full captain, We do not accord such status to the commanders of patrol vessels of this kind. I am yet a lieutenant, though no longer bound, and subordinate to me are a mate, a weird, four gunners, a knot of marines, and the usual complement of a vessel of this size, numbering fifty souls in all. My weird is a decent sort, for her kind, and serveth me also on the Aspire. My mate is ill-tempered, but curiously quiet. My command is the Nomad, a fine craft. She measures 22 lengths from bow to stern. Allow me the indulgence of calling her by a human form, dear cousin, a tradition among those of us in the service. She is eight lengths in breadth across her thickest point and six lengths in height through her thickest point. She carries four batteries, one below, two above at either side and one facing forward. We have one officer of gunnery for each battery, you see. There is ample space within. We are decently stocked with shot and provisions, and yet have space to take on great deals of loot, prisoners, or further crew. Our orders as they stand are simply to patrol the ranges and valleys hereabouts, on the lookout for independent traders operating without a charter, or rival companies in breach of treaties, and to check in on the various holdings and settlements dotted in this corner of the province. We shall return to the depot every 12 days, for two days' respite. I hope in time to be granted an independent cruise. Should I demonstrate sufficient cunning in my manoeuvres, I shall be allowed to act upon my own intelligence, and given greater freedom to pursue business both for myself and the company. Ah, but I wish you could see her. Perhaps I shall strike lucky and be granted a cruise, or given an important assignment that returns me to Meersphere. You shall be invited aboard as my guest of honour, so you may see for yourself her fine northern woods and her elegant propulsion, the finest devint that Lanx workshops can produce, and so compact. I trust all is well with you. Do reply and tell me of your fortunes. 
The news from Mearsphere is naught but agitation and unrest. I pray your businesses are not plagued so with disloyal groundsfolk. I will see you soon. Yar Teyartlin, Lieutenant, Assigned Commander, Patrol Vessel Nomad, to Mar Company. It's been two months since it's been world building. It's almost like nostalgia at this point. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. I, I like it. We I remember Yar uh, from back in the day. Immediately I was like, I know that name. He's like an OG character. Or they are like an OG character. Uh, Yar is the first point of view character that we had in Ikaren. Yeah. As I think. For sure. Um, so the usual for anyone who is new uh, to this or hasn't followed your writing from before, would you give a little bit of detail, a little background detail about who this is and how they got to this point? Absolutely. So um, this is on uh, the planet named Ikern, which is in uh, a setting that we originally made years ago, uh, and I called mine Handwavia. <laughs> uh, so it's one of the planets in, in that set system. Uh, and I wanted to evoke kind of uh, tropes of planetary romance, a, a certain type of fantasy I kind of enjoy. Uh, and over time, it kind of changed and has become this sort of uh, depiction of something analogous to 18th century and 19th century colonialism. Um, Yar is an officer within uh, the Tamar Company, which is a sort of colonial trading company in the vein of the East India Company or the Royal African Company or the Hudson's Bay Company, um, independent of a, a kingdom or a state, but it operates according to similar principles. And Yar here is writing to his cousin and telling him he has got a promotion. The last we saw of Yar, uh, he was still a probationary officer, kind of yeah. becoming a member of this organization but now he is he is a uh, finished his cadetship uh, and is a full lieutenant and as of this update is in command of his own vessel the patrol vessel nomad um, um the thing about that guys that i should probably point out here is that uh, these are aerial craft they're not uh sea going vessels sky pirates they're more like sky privateers <laughs> yeah this is not your uh oh what's the name of that kid's book that's really good um oh what the sky pirates oh is it edge chronicles edge chronicles this is not never read them total guess uh you're right though it is it totally is <laughs> uh, in fact actually that is a thing i actually want to put on artifacts in book club the list um i even though it's a kid book a kid's book i'd really like to go back and reread them because that was one of the earliest sort of uh, books that got me into uh, like fantasy literature. Mm-hmm. Um, the before one, they Sky Pirates, like as in proper, these are galleys with like flying galleys, like proper fantasy Sky Pirates feature heavily uh, in those books. So, not that, not that. <laughs> um, so come here to me. The um, so that means Yar, this seems like a very fast ascension up the ranks. Well. And there seems to be something in the text that implies that maybe they were uh, uh, this, this, this. He was a bit fortuitous to get this. Like he mentions, you know, none can say it's unfairly earned. 
um, or no doubt they say I cheat. Is there a little bit of kind of like, because like I said, he was a probationary officer getting into the, the corp company or whatever. And now he's like, <clears throat> now captain of a ship. Well, this this is, it's not like the very next letter. There has been a bit of a, of a gap in time here. Oh, sufficiently, sufficient. So this is a normal progression. The, the time is such that this is a normal type of progression. Yeah, like it's it's not it's not a scandalously fast. Um, and also bear, bear in mind what we understand of Yar's character. Um, he's not an entirely reliable narrator when it comes to himself. Sure. Um, and talking about himself, and um, there would be a, a degree of uh, bragging and, and and such in in what he says. I mean, a lot of that first bit is very much him being like, "Let me ream off my CV of achievements here, pal." Um, well, well, it's also look at the hardships I've endured, and and yeah. uh, yet I am successful. Um, can, can you? But yeah, so so he completed his his uh, probationary period. And then became a a lieutenant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then for a period was lieutenant bound. So he was assigned to ground duties um, and administrative works and such in uh, one of the depots. And he kind of felt hard done by that he should have gotten gotten something um, on a vessel. And now has has managed to get his own vessel. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, can you remind us what his valor at Selen Lake was, and the returning of the prize from the Usin Belt and the card table and all that jazz? <laughs> uh, so we don't know much about Selen Lake. It was um, we just know that it was a battle, um, an engagement between um, the Tamar Company and another company, um, in, in which the Tamar Company were victorious. Um, Selen Lake is, if if you refer to the map that that I made of the Abeski area, it's in the kind of northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, the returning the prov- returning the prize from beyond the Usin Belt that was the the topic of the first letter that that we got from from Yar. Um, yeah, I they... remember there was something mysterious on board. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the vessel was called the Sanan, which we learned yes. from a, a later letter, um, and. The the aspire that that he served on previously, um, they they stopped these smugglers as they called them, and they took command of their vessel. They they stranded the crew, took command of the of the Sinan, and uh, the captain of the aspire then went off and left Yar to bring with a skeleton crew to bring it back to to the to port to depot. What was the what was the prize? Literally just the ship. Did we ever find out what that mysterious object was? We have not. No, that has not been revealed. Oh. Uh, the prize, yeah, prize is the ship. So that would yeah, that right would be um, taken from from real world history. Like if you if you take a ship, the ship was called a prize. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I know so little about uh, antiquated naval terminology and traditions and all that jazz. I'm it's quite all right. Completely out of my depth. I actually recorded master and commander as a a sort of like. I should watch this for research purposes whenever Bill talks about ships and stuff. Uh, and that's actually a thing I'm planning to do soon. Um, the card tables. Uh, is anything about that in your previous writings? Or is that just him bragging about being class at playing poker? Uh, not from not from Yar, but we've also had a few letters from Dejag to Shensha, mm-hmm. who is another officer within, another lieutenant actually, within the Tamar Company, um, who I think is Mirsviri as well. Um, but he he wrote to a, a 
an acquaintance of his telling them to be careful of uh, a, a, an officer, a young Tamari officer by the name of Yar, because he's a oh. cheat at the card table. Card shark. Um, yeah. Cool. And then, so the, the other thing I was going to ask about was a, a little bit about the um, roles on a ship. And this is mainly me just being curious because I know very little about, like I said, about um, naval stuff. Um, a mate. That's mm-hmm. like a, That's like a first mate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that that's kind of like your second in command, like your. Yeah. Well, well, mates, mate, um, is a kind of a, a it it kind of means officer. So, for example, I I know a lot about this from or my my main understanding of this is from kind of the master and commander sort of era. Um, you, you would have a gunner's mate who would be an assistant to the gunner. Uh, and you, you would have a surgeon's mate would be an assistant to the surgeon. The first mate would would be um. An assistant to the captain, I guess. Oh, okay. So just like so, so a secretary, <laughs> not a secretary. But, so yeah, but as a secretary as as a kind of an official role, like the, the, it would be it would be a thing of authority as well. So would this be the if equivalent? it was the mate of the vessel, it would so be a the, thing of authority. So like like this is Jonathan Frax to Patrick Stewart sort of sort of vibes here. Yeah, yeah. In this context, the the, the mate here is the second officer. Right. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then gunners, I'm assuming, are just people who man guns. Uh, well, they're the they're the officers in charge of of, of a battery. Yeah. Right. And then so they they would be they would be the, the 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 guns themselves would be operated by crew, um, but under the direction of the gunner. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, and then a, a marine are they just like soldiers on the ship? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're 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 soldiers. So they they would be used for um like ground engagements, infantry type engagements. Um, you would use the crew for that as well, but the 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 marines would be more suited for it. We would be better trained for it. Um, and they would also be used for onboard discipline. And then, so a, a, a the collective noun there, not of marines. Uh, is that is that is that a, um? Did you make that up, or is that a, do we call them a knot of marines? Not that I'm aware of. I oh, was okay. like, you know, a, a few, a handful. Not, not yeah. that I'm aware of. Lol. Hey. <laughs> uh, and then finally, uh, weird. We talked about the weird before. Can you give me a rundown again about what a weird does and what's their role? Um. So the weird would be in charge of uh, communication, uh, would have some input to things like navigation, and then... Uh, other weirder stuff. <laughs> weirder as in ship weird or weirder as in stranger? Stranger things. Oh. Yeah. Care to elaborate? Uh, well, I, 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 I've, I've made it pretty explicit previously. Um, things leaning towards more occult topics. Did you make that explicitly? Did we talk about the occult in Acairn? Fairly sure it's. I'm fairly sure I have. Okay, that's been a long time. Um, cool. Okay, cool. Uh, and then so the other thing I was going to ask about was you say here, uh, allow me the indulgence of calling her the ship by a human form, a tradition among those of us in the service. Um, so that's that's that struck me as a bit weird. Um, <laughs> weird. Lol. Um, <laughs> not. <laughs> not. That's not weird. Lol. Lol. Um, the that struck me a bit weird. So like, because like in you know obviously IRL, um, the the uh, the idea of calling inanimate objects he or she is 
fairly well understood, mm-hmm. uh, even outside of specific um, trades like military and yeah. naval stuff and things like that. Uh, that seems to imply that this is not a well understood thing, and normal people wouldn't say like, "Oh, she's a fine axe that I have here." Yeah. Yeah. So that, um, that is the case, is it? Not exactly. So, kind of a part of what I'm doing here is I'm trying to think of this as a um trying to conceive of this as a translation from 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 the Abeski language or whatever um that maybe they have an animate oh. inanimate human some kind of noun class distinction like that and he here is using the the human form for the inanimate um and I have translated that into the English uh, oh. idiom of referring to a vessel a, a seafaring vessel as she so that that's one element there um i don't know i haven't i haven't fully pinned down exactly what i'm thinking about that but it's something like that okay the other thing of it is yar just kind of being a bit up himself um and he's like oh well that's what we say in the service you know which of course everyone knows that but he's you know, even if it is well known, he's still gonna kind of use it as a thing to kind of be bragging about or to remind people that he's in the service. Oh dear, yeah, seems like a lad I would not like to go for a drink with. He he's a bit insufferable. Yeah, he comes across like that. Um, God bless him. Um, further on, you go. I, I hope in time to be granted an independent cruise. Mm-hmm. Um, explain that. Is that just literally like he hopes to proceed up the ranks a little bit, be given? command of a ship that isn't just patrolling I can kind of go wherever the hell it wants is that what's meant by independent crews? Roughly yeah it's yeah. it's not exactly a rank thing but it is kind of a, a position of trust um, and you know it's, it's 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 given as a sign that you're a good earner and you're you're good at your job and it wouldn't necessarily be a different vessel it would just be you are in command of the nomad you can you can right. go and take a little bit act more independently take a little bit more personal responsibility so he's got he's got to slum it out on patrol for a little bit um, yeah i mean he's got to demonstrate that he is he is uh, competent in in command and so what's the like career progression here god it just seems so boring and like uh adulting to be honest let's talk about the career progression of people in the in the tamara company but like he's off patrolling and then he hopes to get this independent cruise thing is then mm-hmm. the next thing to hope for a full-fledged caps captaincy and then are we looking admiralty is that even a thing um, that exists yeah uh like there's not a it's not a strictly linear thing here necessarily you you could get a full captaincy without having an independent cruise there, there's so many different roles that that a commander of a vessel can fill mm. um but yeah the the next step with that he would be he would be a captain um and then there would be there would be a ranks in there, and then I'm not sure whether admiral would be the term that that is used. I'll have to check what I've what I've said previously. Um, but then once you get get above that, you you would be a um, say commander of, of a detachment or of a fleet, mm. and then it, it, beyond on, that would be kind of positions under the military commission. But hold on, is like the commander of like a fleet? Is that not necessarily what an admiral is? Yeah, but I'm not sure whether they would use the term admiral. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, and then you're in the military commission. So what's the what's the like um, what's the top what's the top job? Like what's the Jeff Bezos of the? Uh, actually, that doesn't work anymore because he stepped down from Amazon. But what's the whatever Tim Cook of the Tamara Company? Like where how where can you go where you can't go no further? 
You mean who who's going to get guillotined when when this workers' revolution actually comes? Good question. Yeah, yeah. Who's, um, who's first in line? <laughs> uh, the, I, I guess if you're talking strictly militarily, it would be the the kind of senior positions on the military commission. Okay, and then not talking strictly militarily, um, you'd be like shareholders of the different offices within the company. Okay. Remember we talked about the, the, the structure before. Sure, sure. And, and the, the thing here is you, you can pursue you can pursue your your business interests within the company parallel to your military progression. Yes, that's yeah, I remember talking about that. Um yeah. and is the, the military commission, is that just kind of like I'm envisage, envisaging a sort of like CIA war room type jazz where you have like 10 owl blokes in heavily bejeweled like green jackets sitting around making calls is that kind of what the military commission is um yeah i would imagine like maybe not exactly like it's just 10 or or whatever but yeah like it is it is a you know they, they meet and they discuss overall strategy they they discuss um probably specific issues pertaining to specific campaigns and so on okay cool uh, and then the final thing I had to bring up was uh, way down near the bottom you go the finest devint that Lance, Lance workshops can produce. What is a devint? The devint is the, I guess the engine. Mm. Hmm. Is this like a magic engine that makes them fly? Probably. Probably. Oh. Yeah. I- now remember that the thing the thing for for newer or unfamiliar listeners is that there's there's very low um relatively very low gravity on on this planet um compared to earth or compared to the other human inhabited planets in the in the system um so that's that's why i went for kind of a, a aerial craft kind of direction mm-hmm. um uh, so that that helps, um, but yeah, the the event is both what what uh, it aids it in its kind of buoyancy and it gives it propulsion. Oh, any chance you could write something about that? I'd like to hear a um, I don't know, like a mechanics report on the reparations of a devint. Um, There's a chance, yeah, because that'd be fun. Because it, because I know you don't want to go like super duper magic, like as in like. Um, gown wielding old men firing lightning bolts out of their fingers sort of jazz yeah uh, but you're also not going for like zero magic um yeah. so if there if it's in any way kind of magical i'd love to see how you balance those things because mm-hmm. i find sometimes that can be a tricky balancing act because um if you're ostensibly going for a low magic setting and you just pitch the level of the magic wrong it can be real it can really throw you you know um, yeah. Whereas if you just go like you know it's a free for all magic thing, then fine, it's grand, whatever. Um, so I think you've put yourself in a in a fairly tricky position, and it'd be really interesting to see how you would how you'd write around that. Uh, and sure also, have. <laughs> yeah, and also, I just kind of want to know how the nerd in me wants to know how these ships are propelled, um, mm-hmm. and the mechanism by which that happens. Cool. Um, well, is there anything in there that that I missed? There probably there's always some subtext that I missed. So that was a part of the show where Bill goes, "Well, actually, the point of this Edgar was X, Y, and Z." So will you tell us the point of this? No, there's not really a point to it as such. I just kind of I realized I hadn't actually written anything about the crafts themselves, and you wanted to to know more about that. So, so here you go. I I will say I will say I I don't know if this is you indulging me uh, or you just want to do it anyways. But part of when I was listening to you read this, I was like. He's being really visual about this. 
Uh, and I've talked at length before about how I'm a real visual sort of person and mm-hmm. like I want people to paint me word pictures. Uh, but like, and when you went through this and you were like, oh, it's eight lengths in breadth, six lengths in height, carries four batteries. So I was like, geez, he's really painting a picture here for me before. So I was like, oh, thanks. If that is for me, thanks, Bill. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it, it was in part because, you know, it's something you'd, you'd expressed curiosity about. Um, let me think, just have a quick reread of it here. Uh, it's funny that you mention uh, Master and Commander. Hmm. Uh, because one of the one of the elements here, I wholesale ripped off from the beginning of the first book in the series. <laughs> um, the the first book is called Master and Commander. The film is a sort of a mishmash adaptation of a cup of elements from different books. Um, it, is the film good? I really like it. Yeah, there's okay. it's there's debate whether it's a whether it's a good adaptation. Um, I, I think it gets some stuff right. It gets some stuff wrong. Um, but it, but I, I enjoy the film, yeah. Yeah, but aside from the books, though, it's just, it's a good film. Like, I'm not going to waste three hours of my life and hate you for it. You might, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay, anyway, so what did you rip off from Master and Commander? Uh, so the the beginning of Master and Commander um, is not not like the, the, the very scene or whatever, but the, the kind of the, the initial premise of Master and Commander is Jack, who is the main character, um, is a lieutenant in the Navy and he receives a promotion to master and commander and he gets his first command. He gets the, the HMS uh, Speedy, I think it's called. Class. Or the, no, the Sophie. He gets HMS Sophie. Uh, it's based on a vessel called HMS Speedy. Um, and he, he is not yet a captain. He is still technically a lieutenant uh, but he is known as master and commander because he is the master and the commander of the vessel. Um, so it's it's kind of like a, a slightly in-between thing, in-between being a lieutenant and being a full captain. And that's what I wanted to do here. Just kind of a shout-out to, to that series. Plagiarism, Bill. We're Homage. Gonna, we're going to get demonetized, cancelled <laughs> from the internet. <laughs> Big master and commander is going to come after us. Patrick O'Brien is going to rise from the grave and hunt me down. Yeah. Yeah, um, cool. I mean, like that's hardly a rip off per se, you know. Because I'm just no, gonna... no. It's, yeah, that's, as I said, that's kind of a, an homage. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's a, a sensible kind of thing to have that you know you're you're given this kind of limited command um, before you give given full captaincy. Yeah, for sure. For um, sure. and yeah, the, the 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 dimensions I gave here. Uh, are derived from looking at the dimensions of sailing ships in the 19th century and kind of thinking about the differences for what I have and extrapolating from there. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so as I said before, a length is roughly the height of a of a average to tall person on Ikern. But uh, average to tall people on Ikern are much taller than here. Yes. Yeah. So it's quite a bit. I just in my head, I've just doubled basically a length. I, I've put somewhere between like you know eight and maybe ten feet is what. Uh, I'm yeah, I don't feel maybe the the slightly lower end of that. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah. Well, that's 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 almost very close to a precise answer. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, cool, cool. I like I said, it's it's. I know it's only been two months uh, since we last did this, but it actually is kind of fun nostalgia to see 
a piece of world building in front of me again and be like, oh, we're doing this again. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, shall we uh, crack on to my stuff? Yeah, let's. So I have like very little to say about this because th- what's happened is... Um, just it's been a chaotic month and like it's been a two video month because the previous month it was delayed etc and then family over and all sorts of nonsense so i actually haven't had a chance to look at comment sections at all yet uh, i will in preparation for follow-up videos so i actually kind of don't really know what the response to these things are or what the people find uh interesting or confusing etc yet um so all all i really want to say and then i'll throw it to bill for um for questions and comments or whatever is just a sh- two shout outs here shout out to alex aka former uh for uh collabing with me on the how to write languages for animals video it's been received really well just by pure metrics and alex was a joy to work with and um i'm already concocting ideas about how i could perhaps uh, do another collab uh with them because they're 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 really cool and they're on something really unique and they're um very good at non-human conlang and it's something i'd like to uh work more with so if you're listening alex thank you so much you were close yeah it was it was a cool video i enjoyed it it was fun it was fun and like it was it was like purposefully a very like overviewy type video like we didn't go into a whole bunch of detail um i'd love to at some stage make like a real nitty-gritty detail sort of thing like i don't know like for example like here's how to do noun class for lizards something like that <laughs> Uh, where it's just like really getting into the nuts and bolts of in thinking about like how they speak and the world around them and how that informs the grammar of how they speak. Um, I'd love to do that. And also, I've said I've said it to uh, Alex in DMs, and I think it's kosher to share. Uh, they need to start doing a YouTube channel themselves because like clearly people love this stuff, judging by the metrics. And if they were to make a video series on like here's a new lang for a cat person or whatever. I'm going to take you through the process of, of uh, making it. That would go down an absolute storm. So I'm I'm heavily lobbying Alex to be like, come on, make it happen. Let's go. Because uh, I think that would be amazing. And I would watch the living bejesus out of that if uh, if that if that existed. Um, so yeah, shout out to Alex. Uh, and then the other shout out is to World Anvil, who were sponsors of the Glacier 1 video. Um, they... Like, you know, when you have a sponsor in a video, like, there's usually a sort of um, implicit thing that deadlines are to be adhered to because, <laughs> you know, they're a business and they things need to run like clockwork, otherwise it's all chaos. I obviously did not meet a deadline the previous month. Uh, it was like two and a bit weeks late and World Anvil were just cool about it. I was like, look, I'm sorry, I'm going to be way late. And they were like, yeah, just whatever, just 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 email us when, when it's good to go and look, send us a copy or whatever um so they were really sound i really appreciate that that they're just that they are just two people uh two nerds on the internet making a thing that they like and they're not some big bad corporation who has their marketing manager on to me to be all like uh sorry i thought the video was meant to be out on x date and it's not what's this about um so they're super chill super chill folks and they were really understanding with my inability to be able to write properly about glaciers in an adequate time frame um so shout out alex shout out word anvil these were really great um you've watched the videos bill have you got any thoughts or um questions or anything uh a, a small few yes mm-hmm. a small few cool, cool. um about the glaciers video it reminded me of was it the beach or the coastal features video sure um, coastal, coastal just, landforms 
the Coastal Landforms one, which is just like, you know, cool photographs and names of things and showing us how they worked. Kind of like like fun junior search geography. Um, it, it is a bit like that, yeah. Yeah, fair. but no, that, that, that is entirely a, a, a compliment. Like, that's in no, by no means any kind of criticism. I thought, I thought it was really good. Um, and yeah, there's, there's kind of, in some of the stuff, you can really see how culture affects uh, language that we used. So many of the terms for glaciation stuff are derived from the fact that there's glaciers in the Alps, and those are like mm. all of English is is based on that. Like they're they're all French terms. Or mm. there's what was the the Lombardy something? The Lombardy? No. Th- there was there was something about Lombardy in the in the glaciers video. Was there? Hundred percent. Jeez, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to look at it real quick. Lombardy. Really? There was there was uh, there was a Lombardy something. Uh, or no, a Pied- no Piedmont. Oh, Piedmont. Yeah, Piedmont. Yeah. That was it. It was Piedmont. Yeah. I retract what I said about one hundred percent. Yeah, there was something about about Piedmont. Um, well, you know, that's like a that's a province in in somewhere uh, some kind of Alpine region, and mm-hmm. it's, you know that 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 becomes this kind of universal term. Um, uh, that's just a kind of an interesting example of of that happening. And I think um, I think as well the like the the term non attack being I think it's derived from Greenlandic, and as, mm. as far and that's another case of like you know when you think glaciers like most people think Antarctica or Greenland. Now not many folks knocking around the Antarctic, but there are like folks knocking around Greenland, so you'd expect there'd be some nomenclature from there. So that's kind of cool. And as far yeah. as I remember, the non attack means I'm going to probably have to correct this and follow up in the next show. But if I recall correctly, it means something like that which earths, um, as in like, you know, earth, like the earth, that which earths um, in Greenland. And I thought that was, that was kind of a fun way of describing it, like bits of rock sticking out of the ice. It's that which earths. Um, so I thought that was kind of fun. But yeah, yeah, you can definitely see how the culture, how culture, where these things are affects how, affects how we talk to, about them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um. So nunna means earth or country or land, mm-hmm. and tak is a suffix meaning something that has been. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I think I think the with the glaciers one video because really what was the reason why it was so late is that the video was actually meant to be twice as long, um, and it was meant to be because in this video I talk about specifically only about what glaciers look like when they're knocking around mm. as opposed to what they look like which is the part that's actually more interesting for world building what they leave behind yeah. uh, after they go and it's gonna spoil- see some drumlins gonna see some drumlins but like spoilers for for next show i think there is good <laughs> uh world building material to be mined from post-glacial landforms like for example this will come up in the next video uh edinburgh castle um is it's a famous castle in Edinburgh and it's very it's up on a big hill and it's very prominent over the over the surroundings. Have you seen it before? You must have built. Yeah, lots of times. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's built on a thing called the Crag and Lee structure, which is a, a a particular type of hill that glaciers leave behind. Certain glaciers leave behind as they go away, and it's like a very defensible type of hill uh, mm-hmm. because its morphology is such that like steep sides and with one sloping side you can build a town on but everything else it's basically you get three quarters of the 
the circle of the hill or whatever is defensible. Uh, and so there's lots about post-glacial landforms that can really feed into, you know, where you'd place settlements and towns and things like that. So I actually, I can't wait to make glaciers too um, and talk about those things. I think they are really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, anything else on glaciers one? Um. So you give latitudes and uh, altitudes for modern earth mm-hmm. and for our last ice age mm-hmm. as two examples um i guess if you want to do something in between you can just extend that or you can just like choose a point in between what you gave or if you want to do like a more advanced ice age an icier age you can just make everything a bit more so yeah yeah. yeah okay though those are only data points i can get my hands on and mm-hmm. beyond that it's, it's kind of up to your discretion as a world builder yeah yeah yeah, yeah. cool uh, i will say actually just on that real quick there's a fun point that i'll probably bring up in a follow-up on the the elevation thing eagle-eyed viewers if you watch that video again and you see i, I flash up a graphic uh that shows the minimum elevation of glaciers uh, on a modern earth and on a, and the ice age earth last glacier maximum earth and eagle eye viewers will notice that it doesn't follow uh, a hump like a like a normal distribution it kind of looks like a i don't know like a, a saddle with a little like trough around the equator so as in like glaciers in the poles like are, can lie at really low altitudes glaciers in uh the sort of 30 degree mark lie at really high altitudes and you'd expect that glaciers at the equator lie at even higher altitudes because it's warmer there like Mm -hmm. the minimum distance we pushed up but in fact they're actually lower than at 30 degrees Uh, and that that yeah that's a that's a counterintuitive thing that i think people would i'm sure people picked up on this and as far as i can tell uh the fun thing there is that it's to do with the hadley cell um, and like it's it's also tied to deserts in a way like the reason why deserts exist where they do like the sahara exists where it does uh, on earth is because uh the hadley cell comes down it ends at 30 degrees ish and that's an extremely dry zone and hence why you have desert but also that dryness because you need precipitation to make glaciers you need snow apparently yeah. that it being dry pushes up the minimum altitude of a glacier way up uh okay. such, that, such, such that it's higher than at the equator which that caused me like i had a couple of days there trying to figure out why the hell this graph looks wrong to my eyes because again i expected like you know glaciers go at zero uh, meters elevation in the poles and it's just a straight line up to the equator but it's not mm. it follows this weird hump sort of thing so on your world if you have a standard uh atmospheric cell distribution i'll leave links to a video on atmospheres um standard modern earth uh, distribution your your glaciers will follow that elevation curve neat yeah and it's really counterintuitive and like i, I genuinely learned uh, a new thing there that's very cool yeah. so you have to, you have to account for the available moisture yeah as uh, well the, as just the the available solar energy or whatever the yeah, temperature. You, yeah well in fact you have to account for i think i was well, original version of the script ha, ha, went into this in detail and i'm just kind of like no one actually gives a shit about this no one actually cares about this sorry um but you have to count for i think it's four factors you need ample precipitation you need uh a, a decent gradient so i think any gradient beyond about 10 degrees glaciers won't form the snow will just avalanche away 
you need protection from sun, uh, otherwise the snow will melt away and not form ice. And you need protection from wind, otherwise the snow will blow away. Uh, so there's actually a whole bunch of factors that need to come into play to ensure that you have a glacier. But like I thought to myself, like you know, for world building purposes, it's fine. Just, mm-hmm. just, just if you have a high enough mountain, put the glaciers on it. It's fine. You don't need to worry. Like, mm, would this be a particularly windy slope for this mountain? Like, that's not something that we should concern ourselves with too so, much. So list those again for me. Protection from sun, protection from wind, and... Uh, protection from sun, protection from wind, uh, ample precipitation, like mm-hmm. snow, and then the slope needs to be subtle enough. Gotcha. Because gotcha, if the yeah. slope's too steep, the, the snow just falls away. Yeah. Um. So there's, there's a whole bunch of limiting factors when it comes to... Um, to, to glaciers so um yeah anyway sorry I, i've talked loads so, glaciers uh, any more points on glaciers those are all of my points concerning glaciers any points on how to write languages for non-humans horses can't breathe through their mouths i know i i had no idea that's all alex i was like huh wow yeah who knew who knew? I mean, it makes Obviously sense. Alex, but well, uh, that that is uh, their specialty. Presumably, most vets. I would hope so. Yeah, I mean, probably a lot of people knew. To be fair, <laughs> but I didn't know. That's yeah, fascinating. Yeah, it kind of made sense to me after they said it. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I've never really seen a horse like pant. You, know, <laughs> you only ever hear them like go like, you know, they like violently exhale through their nose. They snort, yeah. Yeah, they snort. Like, they don't really pant or anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so that, yeah, that was a new thing I learned. Like, and to be fair, most of that video was new stuff I learned. Like, because when, uh, when Alex was like, oh, lizards have a koala, I was like, what's a koala? And I was like, oh, that's this weird feature that we don't have. Like, my level, my knowledge of biology is almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that entire video was a massive learning curve for me. So, uh, shout out to Alex again. <laughs> Um, I love what I have written down here is I love the name of the covert species I probably meant to write language there I don't remember them naming a species specifically did they? Uh, yes yes well they they, they, they named like um, I can't pronounce it I'm sorry I can't roll my R's correctly but they said uh, like art speakers yeah, um, yeah, so yeah the name the name of the language I thought that was really really good the, the phonostatics of that, that I haven't heard that language being spoken at length but mm. the words I have heard in in uh, Alex's uh, LCC talk I'll leave links out in the show notes as well and in this video it's 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 really evocative of a crow <laughs> like I could I could hear it and I could be like that I can see a crow speaking this like with the clicks and the the rolled oars like again I I, I hear their beaks being tap together and i was like that is you've nailed it like you really have nailed the vibe of a talking crow mm-hmm. it's great absolutely great um, um yeah. the next point i have here is i'm i know this is true for parrots i'm not sure about other birds but when you're creating the the um phonological inventory they they could create sounds that sound really like things that we can do just using different um, mechanics. Parrots, they can fake bilabial sounds. They can make P's and B's, but they don't have lips. So they, they just, they get it somewhere else. Um, I think that's probably the only thing I, I have here that is is in approaching a criticism. Um, but, you know, there was nothing on that chart that I remember that was analogous or represented by bilabials um but 
there may be ways to do it just it would be with a different with a different um mechanism that that's fair um i would say i touched on it at the start of the video where i said something like my cat people always end up being either humans cosplaying cats or parrots cosplaying cats and that was a nod to that like i right. I, I assume that when i'm when i want to make a non-human species talk like humans in my head i just go they just have what a parrot has stuck in the back of their throat and that allows them to produce all the human sounds and um, so we kind mm-hmm. of touched on a little bit there but I, I would say that's fine and you can totally do that there's precedent parrots are a thing but i also think that <laughs> if you rely on it too on that too heavily you end up just giving yourself an excuse to not try and creature conlang do you know what i mean yeah, you've just created humans. You've just yeah, and you now gotcha. now you're now you're back to like it's just it's a it's meowth from Pokemon. Like it's it's a cat that speaks like a human, which is fine. Mm. Like it's not a criticism you want to do that. In fact, on 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 the live streams I do for the patron only live streams, I'm kind of doing that sort of thing currently. Um right. and it's not a criticism at all. But if you are interested in trying to really think to yourself like how the hell might a cat talk, it's fun to impose that creative constraint and be like, yeah. no no, like they they, they just they won't have what sounds like because their lips won't be able to do that and i'm not going to say that there's some sort of imagined organ that allows them to do it um i think that's a fun constraints lead to great creativity and i think Mm -hmm. it's a good constraint yeah Um, i want to see someone tackle the horse lang though because i began thinking about it just kind of like how are the hell are you going to do that because it's like i can only think of maybe four or five sounds that are analogous to what we can do that horses might be able to do and i'm like how are you going to make a language out of that at all? Like, I can't even think of a valid inventory. Um, so someone needs to do that and send it to me. That would be gas. Um, that kind of leads into my next point here, as which is I love that you redesigned the chart so it wasn't the IPA chart, that it was it was a, a similar structure, but, you know, with the, the biological constraints of the the species in question because that was kind of the first thing i was thinking of when i saw the topic for the video i was like well they can't use the ipa that'll be ridiculous mm. um and you didn't so criticism dodged oh i i would say sorry, i'm gonna jump in there not me at all that's literally alex um that's that's he just sent me his charts i didn't uh collect that information at all um so all all criticism criticism dodging compliments should be directed at Alex there. Uh, good work, Alex. <laughs> Edgar, you are still a buffoon and a coward. Um, <laughs> on on the IPA chart thing, though, uh, just I want to just point out here. Uh, I think that's the kind of the human approximation slant where you kind of like it's the IPA, but not really. Um, I I think that's the key thing here because um, in my head, I would have thought, well, if you're going to make a cat language. What you're actually going to do is just like, you know, record a bunch of cat noises and then like put them as spoken samples in some wiki or whatever and say like that's their language and then mm-hmm. assign some sort of meaning to it, uh, the, which is which is fine, obviously, but it doesn't work very well if you're like writing a book. You know, you can't be like, and then, you know, Mr. Fluffy got up and said, cat noise is .mp3. You know, you can't really do that. Um, so so the, the, the idea of, of like, no, they are, the, these animals will treat them as actual animals. Like they talk, like they make the sounds of actual birds. They make actual cat meows, but we're just going to produce like a human reproducible um, 
translation of their language that you know we like they they speak their language and it sounds like cats and birds but we need to be able to interact with these people so we're going to do this like hybrid ipa thing that's great i think that's so cool because that means you can write it in books you can do all this jazz and you can kind of get across the feel of the language without literally just having a recording of a crow you know calling and being like Mm -hmm. that's the language so i think that's that's I, i i probably should have overplayed that a little bit more to be like this is great human reproducible uh, versions of the language so it's almost like we're not writing language we're writing the human reproducible version of it and i think that's genius mm-hmm. um, but sorry i cut across there next point well i'm just i think i follow yes yes that makes sense um the next thing i have written down here is oh long johnson ellipsis hell yes so that was from the the sample of all of the weird sounds cats can make, and um, it used a clip from one of my very favorite videos uh, from from long ago on the internet, which is of a cat saying "Oh Long Johnson, Oh Don Piano, all the live long day," and I was really hoping that that cat would be included, and it was. So, so do you want know the funny story here? Is yeah, uh, I did not know of that as a thing. Really? At all, yeah. I just, uh, Alex sent me uh, a link to a, a, a funny cat noise compilation and I just scanned through for the most like out there examples in the video and pasted them together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had no idea that, that was a meme at all. Really? Zero clue. Oh, wow. Yeah, no idea. And I, I, I think some patrons were like, they, they mentioned all oh, Long Johnson. I was like, what are you talking about? And I had to do a bit of Googling and investigation. I was like, that's the cat in the video. Hold on, huh. give me give me forty seconds. I'm just actually going to watch that video. The original video or yeah. my video? The, okay. the original video. <laughs> I gave you forty seconds. It's just me and you, folks. <laughs> <laughs> me and the <laughs> Bill's left us to watch a cat. <laughs> no, I'm still here. <laughs> I hope that that's like that is actually the cat. Making those noises. That isn't like doctor or anything, is it? I'm pretty sure it really is. That's cats are just mad. They're actually just insane. Oh, that was great. Thank you. <laughs> no worries. <sighs> I'm glad I could be of service. <laughs> uh, so any any uh, last points on uh, the video? Uh, Carolina Chickadees have grammar. Double exclamation mark. That was pretty neat. Yep. Um... Do the letters used correspond to like pitch? No, no. Okay. Um, I think why are they why are they given in that order? A oh, E B C D H D. I have no idea, and I suspect it's probably something like why the ordering of star classification is all out of order. Okay. It's probably because they you know they recorded A B and C uh, first, and then mm-hmm. someone came along and was like. Well, actually, there's actually kind of like an E one there, and it happens oh, okay, in yeah. association with A a lot or whatever, and they stuck it in the middle. It's and then they found D H last. Then um, they found well, the D H thing is, I think, would be that this is me speculating, but I think that's easily explained in that it might just be a variation on D. Like it's the the waveform is almost exact the same, but just a little bit different. Whereas the rest of them are like completely unique. Like that one, I think, is easy um, to explain. But yeah, that why they're out of order is probably just haphazard gathering of information i imagine because it kind of makes sense like to think of it that way if you look at the first three a e b that's like a fifth and then another fifth 
Um, I don't think it's got anything to do with music notes, yeah. man. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Caroline Jones, and Pelican. my last my last point here is crows are great. <laughs> Just... Um. I'm not sure what that was specifically in reference to, but I stand by it. I have... Yeah, crows are great. It, it, our cat is permanently murdering all the all the birds around the house. As cats are wont to do. Yeah, and it's 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 kind of a... Like, I'd say every day or two, a new bird is presented to us as offering. Uh, and Are they crows, though? No, no, but there's been some... Well, I don't know. I'm not, again, I'm not good with the old biology. There's been some blackbirds with black beaks and they've been large yeah it's probably a crow then uh, I, I don't know what 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 it is or isn't a crow like when is a well no i know that a crow and a blackbird are different because a blackbird has a yellow beak isn't it i think so yeah yeah some sort of blackbird anyhow you need crow, your you need yourself an expert in bird law bird law what's what yeah. what are they called ornithologists is that it? well they're just they're bird scientists you need, you need a bird lawyer I, I feel like this is a meme or a joke I'm not understanding. Yeah, no, that's 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 a shout out for 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 those in 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 the audience who got it. Okay, I'm so mad. I'm so out of. That's I'm okay. So, I'm that's so okay. out of touch with internet culture. I feel so old. This is have, TV culture, but yeah. Okay, have you have do you experience that? We'll do axioms then in a second. I promise, folks. Do you experience? Have you experienced getting old? Is this a thing that's affecting you? Like, as not the sort of like you know that you're getting older obviously that's occurring but do you feel yourself becoming less um aware of like pop culture trends in a way that wasn't occurring like 10 years ago um i think i had a fair bit of alienation from stuff about 10 years ago there was stuff i wasn't getting there's there there are certain things now that 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 probably are are um that, that that are like kind of I don't understand that, or I come to things late or whatever, um. But not that much. No, I think I'm I think I'm reasonably, reasonably up to date on such things. I I keep thinking that I am, and then I'm confronted with no like say slang terms or whatever. Where I'm just like, I didn't even realize that that was a thing. Because in college, like I think I was pretty au fait with a lot of the slang, uh, in common mm-hmm. use or whatever. But like now, uh, like you know words like clutch i sound like such an old man here i'm sorry folks but words like uh clutch uh, and things like that which have kind of cropped up i'm kind of like i find myself going to urban dictionary and having to go what does that mean and like learn about it because i'm just out of the loop and it just makes me feel so old Mm. it's terrible bill yeah slang maybe not but like i you know I, i memes and stuff and and trends i'm i think i'm not doing too bad for my age. No, uh, I don't know. I think I'm doing worse for my age. It, it it got so bad. Like obviously, I'm being a little bit facetious here. It's not actually bad, but uh, I got kind of like irrationally ang- uh, anxious about like the progression of time. That I put up a poster in my little office space that says I am still 31. Um, so I look at it every day, and I'm reminded that if I look, I I think to myself, if I look at this every day, it's going to slow the process of getting older mm. because. It'll feel like I've been thirty-one for ages, and I'm not. Life is not just leaving me by, which is something I stress about irrationally. But then you'll have the day that you have to change that poster, and it'll all hit you all at once, and it'll be even worse. Well, that may happen. I have no data to suggest what will happen because I've yet to do that. But my hope is that I'll hit thirty-two and think to myself, 
Jesus, that 31 poster has been up for a long time. Ergo, it's going to be a long time before I'm 33. And I'm hoping my brain will spin it that way as opposed to, you know, all at once. (laughs) All the existential angst coming in all at once. But yeah, it's a thing I'm weirdly irrationally afraid of getting old and like, losing touch like i worry about becoming like the un the like the uncool dad who thinks he's cool i worry about being that person mm-hmm. uh because those people are just cringe and i don't want to be those people but i feel like i am that person and it's just yeah it's mad anyway, anyway this is so off topic. i'm more worried i'm more worried about becoming the kind of bitter old guy who doesn't like new things just because they're new things that that's more of a fear for me like the guy who just like complains about whatever the kids are listening to really oh man that that, is that's a, a much bigger fear for me that is a fear i absolutely don't have because like i, I remember in college um i was exposed to the matter i think it's the matter quote uh the young are always right or something like that mm-hmm. uh, and i remember thinking about that i remember being like that is kind of true yeah like like you know fr- like and it makes sense on a two level in that like you know fresh eyes coming into a situation and fresh thoughts and opinions are kind of you know they see situations in a new and chances are that those opinions will be more correct so like ever since that day i've always been like no no what the younger generation do i may not understand but like i'm just gonna say that's probably great go for yeah, it yeah that, that's that's my approach and that's kind of what i'm doing to to get away from from that fear yeah to deal with that fear Bill there sitting there, you know, all those kids. Back in my day, we used to just play Red Dead Redemption 2 for five days on end with no sleep and only eating, like, you know, uh, drinking, like, uh, full fat or full sugared uh, uh, Cokes and popcorn. But now everyone's off in VR land and it's not like the way it was back in my day. These newfangled cyber kids and blah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, just like like music and stuff. Um, you know, I, I make a bit of an effort to understand what what kind of, and it's I mean it's good for me professionally as well as a teacher to know what what yeah. what people are into, so I can like engage with with the music that they're interested in. But look um, at like like Little Pump, he's great. Little Pump is the future, you know. Uh, I don't know Little Pump. I, I've gotten quite into Hyperpop. Hyperpop, I don't know yeah. what that is. A uh, hundred Gex. You should listen to a hundred Gex. 100 Gex. Do you know what I've got? Sorry, I'm so sorry, folks. Bill and I, before we recorded, we talked at length about how we haven't actually talked to one another for ages. Yeah. Uh, This is kind of spilling over. It's the show. We're just chatting to each other as friends. Yeah, you're just going to listen to our, like, catch up. Yeah, a little bit. I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not. The uh, 100 Gex. I have gotten into uh, a thing called Clowncore. Have you heard of Clowncore? Uh, I know there's a band by that name. Yeah, yeah, that band. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They are insane, like an insane in a good way. It is just this absolute like kaleidoscope yeah. of vibes. And you're like, what is this? And bizarre polystylism. Yeah, bizarre body stylism. It is great. And they, they from what I can hear, uh, like I don't know enough about the genres that they that they do um, to be able to make calls on whether it's good or not. But from what I can hear, like they're very gifted musicians uh, and they're very competent in the different styles that they uh, smashed together yeah um, and it's just it's just great vibes like there's nothing like you know on a Sunday morning putting on the pancakes and listening to a bit of ca- clown core on Alexa <laughs> at f- a full blast <laughs> but I will check out 100 Gex um, that sounds interesting I'd be interested to see what the hyper pop is mm-hmm. um, anyhow anyhow 
Axiom's End? Let's do it. Axiom's End, the long-awaited review of Axiom's End by Lindsay Ellis. Links in the show notes to, to the book if you want to pick it up. Um, as always, there are going to be no, there's no further content after this review. So if you want to stop now and um, go read the book and come back, you can do so. You're mm. not going to miss anything. 100%. And there will be spoilers. And there will there will be all of the spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that with that uh, announcement out of the way, Axiom Zen Bill, what did well? We should do some synopsis. Give us your sort of synopsis of what what this is. Um, so Axiom's End is set in 2007 and it is about the the discovery and the reveal of humanity's first contact first contact with uh, an alien life form. That is a very succinct succinct how do you say that word Bill? Succinct. Succinct. Uh, synopsis there. Yeah, it's it's basically it's a first contact book. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, the oh, uh, main protagonist is, is a girl called uh, Cora. Uh, our kind of like alien that uh, she undergoes first contact with is called Ampersand. There's other mm-hmm. aliens, government cover ups, that sort of jazz. Um, yeah. What did you think of the book? I like liking things. Posh. <laughs> Um, and ultimately, I did quite enjoy it, but there were a lot of things that kind of tripped me up on the way. Yeah, I would say I'm similar. Like, I, I think, so here, let me just preface this with a little bit of background. So um, it's very easy, I think, to criticize uh, faceless people. Um, it's a lot less easier. It's less, uh, a lot less easy to criticize people you kind of had some degree of interpersonal relationships with to whatever degree and uh, i met Lindsay very 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 briefly at patreon those years ago um and i without going into details because i don't know if it's public or i don't know if this is a thing that's out in the ether but she was doing a panel with with other creators and the panel went quite toxic right um yeah, it just it, it it took it took a nosedive midway through, and I remember sitting in the audience and feeling you know really bad for for Lindsay and the rest of the people on the stage, and also feeling great admiration for the way they kind of handled the situation because it it could have very easily turned into just an absolute train wreck. But like I, I was really impressed with Lindsay's kind of demeanor and her ability to handle this situation and i went up to her afterwards and i was kind of like uh hey look you know i'm really sorry you had to into into your endure that that was you were really class like um so i, I like that's the, the smallest amount of interpersonal interaction one could have with a person but i did have that interaction and so criticizing this book feels weird because it's like i'm criticizing an actual human being and not mm-hmm. just some random person whose face i don't never seen or who who i don't know or whatever um so that being said, I, I, I just I found the book just a solid like three out of ten. It was just it was very not three out like, no like five out of ten. It was just very it was very middle of the road. And knowing Lindsay and her output, I kind of would have expected a lot more and something that was a lot more interesting. But for me, it was just kind of like this is kind of just a really well trod she's going down the road the well trodden road of first contact books 
mm-hmm. and there's kind of not really much play in those books um like they're always going to trend to go over the same points over and over again and i think it's really hard to make something unique out of it uh so right. i think she set herself up for a bit of a fail in choosing this subject matter and yeah for me the whole time i was kind of like okay cool so she's got the first contact great let's keep reading and let's see does she go somewhere new and interesting with this and that just kind of never happened and i was a bit like just meh at the end uh, and i feel bad saying that because again like she, she's a real person you know who i've seen in the flesh i've seen her in meat space and it's very hard to just say that about someone you see in meat space you know mm-hmm. um but yeah, yeah. So what was the thing that tripped you up? So I guess one one of the things I didn't like about it was I, I thought it was trying very hard to be, to, to make explicit that it was a period piece with cultural references. Mm. And it, that really jarred me, like how, how much it leaned into that. Um, it, it felt a little forced. Because I mean, we get that like page one, don't we? We It opens with kind of like Cora listening to Avril Lavigne's song and like the name of the song. Fergalicious. Oh, the, for, first, the first piece of music. Later she plays Avril Lavigne on the guitar. There you go. And it's kind of, it's really, it, I, I found that too. I was kind of like, it just, it just seemed really strange. And I, also the, the setting of it, it being a period piece, it was kind of, maybe this happens a lot in literature, but like I found it really strange that it was set so close to the modern world. And that kind of threw me a little bit because, you know, I was like, I was alive in 2007. This didn't mm. happen, you know, whereas if, if it was set in like the 60s, that may as well be a gazillion years ago on a different planet. I don't care. But like... She, I, she she talks a bit about that. I read I read some quotes from her. I think it was on, on Goodreads or something. Um, and the, the, the reasons for that, I think, were tied up in both her being of a similar age at the time, as I recall, mm-hmm. um, and that being the period when WikiLeaks started being relevant, which is obviously a huge kind of yeah, influence yeah. on on the book. Um, so the, 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 the fact it was a period piece didn't bother me at all, but I just thought it was it, it was kind of over overdoing it with, with cultural references. Um, and maybe it wasn't that she she was making the cultural references to make it a period piece. It was just she writes like that. But whatever the reason was, it just kind of felt a bit much. Yeah, and, my I, taste. and I mean, th- th- this is the thing I've always had a kind of problem with in terms of cultural references. Like it, it, in rap, for example, in particular, uh, I'm just kind of like I get it, I get why that exists, but like they very quickly can become very dated. Uh, and irrelevant to people like I don't I know Fergalicious I think Fergalicious was a song that was sung by your one from the Black Eyed Peas correct Fergie Fergie yeah Fergie <laughs> but, see, that's, but that's the thing so like I, you know again at that time I would have been like if 2000 if it's set in 2007 I was 17 18 at the time so that's like mm-hmm. peak listening to music age and like gearing up to go to music college so I would have been quite like stewing in the musical zeitgeist but like even that kind of sort of passed me by. So when that's put down as a reference, it that's great if you get the reference and you're able to like clock the period in your time in your mind. But like if you don't, it just becomes kind of like meaningless. And I get that with like very very old rap songs. I listen to them, like listen to some Rakim song or whatever, and I'm just like I understand none of these references. Like this makes no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think this book could perhaps suffer from that a little bit if you don't know who Avril Lavigne is or uh, Fergie, which is not like, it's not massively likely, but it's not impossible that you wouldn't know who those people are, you know? 
Yeah. Another thing was I thought I thought there was a little bit of unsubtlety in bits of the writing. Um like what one of the things one of the things I highlighted here is when you first meet the CIA agent uh, when he comes Saul. to when he comes to the to the house um and the interaction between the agent and her aunt and the the quote is Luciana looked at him and Cora wondered if her aunt wasn't avoiding the feds but him specifically and like that was kind of already clear it didn't need to be emphasized in that way i felt um yeah and would that be a thing that just it's a ya thing to do um i know this isn't ya though ah man is it not ya i mean no no i wouldn't call it ya jeez i would have called it maybe closer to the end to the older end of the ya spectrum but like i don't know maybe i don't maybe i have a poor grasp of what ya is are you allowed f- aliens in ya but no one slept with an alien I'm, well, like, kind of did. I, no, 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 they didn't kind of at all. They, there was no, like, it was just they had a very close, friendly bond. There was. It no... is absolutely baiting for for fan fiction. Oh, it's be a bit trip, but look at man, like, he, be, fan fiction will occur even if no baiting is occurring. Like, I, no, no, I, I, no, I know that, but it is explicitly, absolutely baiting fan fiction. Yeah, sure. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Okay. 100%. Yeah. I, I guess. And she, she herself herself has has kind of acknowledged and nodded towards that. Okay. Well, I, I was about to say. I guess if you were to replace ampersand with a human, then yeah, that would be pretty. I guess maybe because I'm looking as an alien, just like love. And them. they do share a bed. At they, the end. They do share a bed, but like, I mean, geez, I shared a bed with a dog before. It doesn't mean that like loving love occurred. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't. <laughs> trick you into it well not trick you but it didn't like give you a dog marriage to save your life a dog marriage the dog? <laughs> I mean is that title of the show <laughs> dog I, I think I think banknotes with antlers should be the title of the show <laughs> oh yeah no banknotes with antlers actually yeah you're dead right banknotes with antlers we'll see how long we keep the show going uh, yeah okay no I, I take that back yeah there you can definitely read sexual overtones but like just to be clear like no explicit sex scene occurred between no, the no, no literal, no. no literal. Yeah, it's just yeah, it, yeah. It's it's baiting for it. You're right. Um, um her. I I want to say that overall, I did enjoy this. This is I'm 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 airing I'm airing uh, criticisms. Um, because that's the where we are in the conversation. Um, some of the stuff in it, it began to make sense later on. But as I was reading it, I was like, why are they acting in this way? Why are these people making these decisions? Um. And even then, some of it didn't even do that. Like, when when there's the break-in near the beginning, mm-hmm. and she thinks, oh god, the alien has stolen the hard drive to try and track down my father. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's a bonkers. That's a completely <laughs> ridiculous thing to come to. Why would an alien steal a heart how would they what is the interface there that they would understand that concept and i know she she was like scared and and all that so and you know unreliable narration and everything but it just kind of put there and it's it's never questioned further in the in the text that it that might have been a, a absurd conclusion to come to she herself never goes what was i thinking that was ridiculous or yeah like yeah. that was just so weird to me and i, I actually i i i I stopped reading it for a while at that point because I was like, what is this about? That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, and there was stuff like, there was some really good stuff about the the kind of linguistics and, you know, the, there's no, 
linguistics isn't set up well to deal with non-human languages and the, the IPA chart is specifically about the human vocal tract as yourself and Alex covered. Um, but then there's the thing that the, the algorithm they have for decoding human languages will take the same amount of time to understand English as to understand all computer systems. As though they're yeah. comparable tasks. That really took me out of it. Yeah, I can't say it took me out of it, but, well, the thing that with the linguistic stuff, the thing that took me out of it was the explanation of the IPA chart. And I was like, okay. Like, I realize most people, I think most people would not know that such a chart exists mm. uh, and that we kind of have, like, marked all, we've cataloged all human sounds. I think, you know, you pull up some random on the street to be like, wow, cool, that exists. That's, that's hella information there. Uh, but for me, obviously, I was looking at being all like, oh, God, here comes IPA exposition. Mm. Uh, and I was like, oh, and there was a, there was another moment, actually, where I thought it was kind of like, I, this is going to sound too mean. And I don't mean it as mean uh, at all. So apologies to Lindsay, if you're listening. Hi, Lindsay. Um, the, the, it felt at places like with the IPA chart and when they talked about the, the great filters, they had like philosophy corner for a little bit two of them um it kind of felt a little bit like she had either watched some sort of vsauce video and was like oh that's cool uh or did a bit of googling around for like you know like uh low-hanging fruit philosophy points or whatever um and it felt like that just got put into the book then you know uh and that kind of really threw me as well it's kind of like oh someone's watched uh uh, or a Kurzgesagt video. Someone's watched a Kurzgesagt video on the philosophy of like aliens or whatever, and that's got put into the book, and that really took me out of it. And then as well, the IPA chart. I was just like, I'm not, I'm not here to have the IPA chart explained to me. Like, I know what's going on. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. That kind of exposition doesn't doesn't bother me all that much in in books. And I because I know you you kind of had similar issues with The Martian, didn't you? You felt it was kind of overly expository at times and it just did no it's, i didn't mind that at all the martian was no the problem with the martian was that it was it was literal calculations that was the problem with the martian like it was literally like he was sitting there going so if i have 50 grams of uh like um, potato seeds and i have 200 kilograms of martian soil with an average precipitation rate of it i'm just like why do we don't need to know this like we don't need to know this like stop calculating in front of us like Hide mm. your work, Andy Weir. God damn it. Yeah, um, it didn't bother me at all. It, no, it, it bothered me way less in the movie, but in the book, it really bothered me. Like, it's just something very jarring about seeing a heap of numbers everywhere. And just like, ooh, ooh. It's a maths textbook. I wasn't prepared for this. Stop it. Go away. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the philosophy stuff felt like that. It's kind of like, oh, I don't know. It's like, it, it, a lot with yeah with the IPA stuff and with the philosophy stuff it felt like there was a moment of kind of like I'm going to drop some hard knowledge on you here mm. like, I'm going to make you think about the world world we have catalogued all the human sounds onto a chart did you know that reader and it like it can only deal with human sounds and nothing after that and you're like that's just it's just kind of lame like once you don't get the mind blow from it it's kind of lame and the same with the thing like have you ever heard about a thing called the great filter and it's like yes i've watched many youtube videos about this like it doesn't have that impact hearing about it you know um my thing about that is i i just always thought that the, the fermi paradox and the great filter was just kind of a silly idea like really yeah i think it's ridiculous wait you think both are ridiculous 
Well, I mean, the great filter only is is only really relevant to the to the, the Fermi paradox, I, I guess, yeah. and like. I don't know it's just it's there's so many assumptions there, so yeah. many uh, totally unwarranted assumptions. Like, like, so naturally every species that involves intelligence is going to just colonize everywhere. Well, why would they? Maybe their goals are totally different, mm. and maybe we just like they're we can't see them, or we, we're not looking in the right way to see. Them. Maybe they are there, and we're just not seeing what they are. Yeah, like it's it's I thought it was a nonsense argument. Yeah, but then, um, but, then it, but that's that's in no way. I'm not saying that's the fault of the book. That's in no way the fault. Of, that is a thing that exists out there and and is made reference to in the book. Right, but, um, but, but see, but that's the problem when when that thing. Like, if I go, I don't, I don't have the feelings uh, that you have towards Fermi paradox and the Great Filter. But like, if I did, and then I heard this like super uh, super intelligence begin talking about it as if it's like you know kind of. He's dropping the knowledge. It, then it just feels really weird because you'd expect the super intelligence to take your example to turn around and be like, "You humans think of the Fermi paradox and the Great Barrier, but what actually occurs is, you know, majority of beings are non-corporeal and they don't covet la- or whatever something like that." You, I I don't agree. I don't agree with that at all because one of the things about what we see in the in the the book is that the the superorganism, the this alien culture is fallible and it has its own propaganda. So they they, they would totally ha- be just as just as susceptible to to bad ideas like that. I don't think the existence of a bad idea in an alien culture is any kind of reflection at all on the on the the literature no 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 but the, my problem is the regurgitation of our bad ideas through an alien's mouth like they should have their own bad ideas do you know what i mean mm. it just seems so weird that the alien went and watched the kurtzgesagt video on the great filter and then told cora about it but dude that's not the only person that's ever discussed this idea like. no I, i'm just using kurtzgesagt as an example but but sorry i'm using that as an example of like this is a common thing that's refer talked about in like internet geekdom you know so it's like the alien went and looked at internet geekdom videos podcasts etc and then regurgitated to cora and it just feels really weak because again they're meant to be different from us and i don't know i'd expect a I, I don't know, I kind of felt like I wanted a discussion about, like, an alien take on th- this issue of the Great Filter, for example. Not just, like, he explains to us what we think about the, about the universe. Do you know what I mean? Not really. I don't, I don't, I don't really f- feel that at all. Mm. But do you follow what I'm saying, though? Only kind of. <laughs> I'll clarify it in the Reddit, folks. Oh, God. Okay. Um, what, what, what uh, other points? Um... I I mean I haven't read a lot of first contact novels and I I enjoyed I enjoyed it and I thought there was there was interesting stuff about that and the, the difficulties of of communicating and the 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 impossibilities that exist um I thought a lot of that was kind of undercut by the the baiting of the kind of erotic or romance elements um which again is just like that's something I'm just not interested in in media in general at all it, mm romance stories um, largely because so many of them are so shoehorned into the things where they're not relevant here it kind of makes sense because it's about the, the communication mm. um, but I think it does undercut the idea that they're very alien um, sure. it, weakens, it weakens that thread um, yeah. I'm, I'm a bad person to make the judgement I suppose um, you're not in it for the what's, what's her face Edward and What's her, what's her face from Twilight? Bella. Bella. 
Not in yeah. it for the Edward and Bella, no. No. <laughs> not I even, am not. I am not. Not even slightly. Um, I, I have one or two points. Actually, no. In yeah. fact, actually, we, we discussed one of the points was um, uh, YouTube philosophy. And that was the whole thing about the aliens espousing our philosophy. Uh, we covered that. The, 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 and we kind of, yeah. Uh, the, thing, the thing that got me was her writing style a little bit. Like, I maybe people in California speak differently than I do because I think she's from I think she's a California native, uh, Lindsay is. But like, a lot of the words she used like were not how I use words, and I found it really distracting. That's not a criticism because like you know, different dialects exist, etc. Uh, the example here I have is she. Can't... Everyone has their own dialect, and they're all valid except Californians. Except Californians. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but like, I mean, it is an interesting point to bring up. Like, when you know you're reading a uh, an English book, like a piece of English prose, but the English in it is something inscrutable to you. I think that's really fascinating when that happens. Uh, like what? Well, the example is now. I could be wrong about this, but uh, she kept using the term at length uh, in her prose, and one I think she she overuses uh, like structures. Like she overuses the same sentence structure over and over again and i i was looking for more variety and stuff like i shouldn't be able to pick out patterns in your writing when listening or when reading uh, and i found that she did that but the, the at length crack um she'd say stuff like at the at length ampersand stopped or whatever and i that happened so often i was like but that's not what i think at length means like at length means is to go on so you'd say like he rambled at length um, you know, he went yeah. on, he went on rambling, but like the idea of like at le- what she means to say is after a long time, right, right, amp- ampersand stop, and that's and now maybe that's how Californians use the phrase at length, but like I don't use it like that at all. I've never heard anyone use that phrase at length, and it was one of her kind of like most used phrases, most used clauses. She was, she was constantly saying at length someone did a thing that actually occurs instantaneously and isn't a durative event. And it just it just completely snapped me out of it. At length, like, it's just, that's not what that means. So, Californians in, in the chat, do you use it like that? Do you say, at length, I stopped? I, I, I can't, I don't remember any things of that. There's like, at length, he says, as in after a period, after a period of waiting, he said. But that's also weird, though, because it's not after... That's not weird to me. That's not weird to you. Yeah. That's interesting. So I ran this by uh, I ran this by Zidnaf actually, where I was chatting to him, uh, and uh, he immediately, as I began talking about it, he immediately was like, "That's weird. I, I, that's not how I would use that phrase at all." Um, that's mad, Bill. That is mad because I've literally never used a phrase like that ever in my life. Um, I don't know that I've that I've used it that way, but it's its meaning is completely clear to me. Oh no, no, it, uh, sure, sure. It's meaning, and is, it does it doesn't strike me as as curious. It its meaning is clear to me, but it it strikes me as curious. Like every time she said it, I had to stop and be like, "Oh, she means it like that." Like I had to do a double take, and it was it was very distracting to me. Now maybe that maybe that's just me. Maybe it's just me. Well, maybe it's just me and Zidnaf. But uh, yeah, it was just it was very it was a very strange event. Um, and then the last point I have is uh, just just a, a general musing on can one write a first contact book that is truly unique? Because from my perspective, after having read, we read that book ages ago, um, the, the book that Arrival is based on, the movie. The Ted Chiang one, yeah. Yeah, exactly, which is basically a first contact book. And uh, we read this book, another first contact book. And, and like it feels to me that 
they're always going to be there's always going to be some discussion of communication and then some imparting of deep philosophy from one to the other and that's basically the tropes of this first contact thing um and i I, yeah as i was reading it was kind of like how on earth would one write first contact in a true in a truly unique way and for life me i can't i can't think of it like it feels like a genre or a subgenre of story that's just very hemmed in you know yeah there doesn't seem I mean, like there's a whole lot you can do with it it would either have to be like really weird in which case it stops having the same kind of relevance and resonance yeah like just like a, 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 a totally alien thing um like does does annihilation count as, as first contact i can't remember whether that's explicitly alien but i don't know what annihilation is there's a that's a netflix movie is it yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't read the book, but it's 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 based on a book. Okay, I, I don't know anything about Annihilation. It's weird. Oh, it's is it weird? It's really weird, yeah. Mm. It's it's cool. I enjoyed it a lot, uh, the film. Um, but it, it gets it gets kind of trippy. In summation on this, I think this is... Um, I mean, like, look, this is their first book. Um, I would give my uh, left arm, and my right arm, and both my legs, possibly my head... I would give everything to be able to write a book at all. Um, so, like, props to Lindsay for writing a book that is yeah. not that is not dribble. And in the in the in the infamous sphere of YouTuber writes book, this is head and shoulders above literally everything that has ever been written by a YouTuber. Like, Lindsay is a is an intelligent person, and uh, yeah, this is this is a good book. Um, I just found I just found that I think she she with the subject matter she chose she she just pinned herself in and unless she's going somewhere really exploratory in the next couple of books I don't really see how she can craft a unique story. So my main criticism is the the selection of the the genre basically I think was not brilliant. And I think with time perhaps her writing will become a little bit more diverse in terms of like prose um, because I found her writing to be a bit kind of like recycled and repetitive um, but it's not a bad book it's not a bad book at all um, it's a tough one to choose for a first book first contact for a first book seems like mm. I wouldn't go down that road if that were me um, what are your what are your closing thoughts um, I think ultimately I did enjoy it uh, there were as I said, there were a lot of struggles and I, I have criticisms of it um, it's not a genre I've read a lot of this like, kind of specific first contact thing. Yeah, um, I, I, I over overall I enjoyed it with 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 caveats. Mm-hmm. Um, Too much it, it doesn't need so much by way of of cultural reference. I don't think that added a lot. Um, like there was a three page digression about Star Wars, which that I think that took me out of it the way the the philosophy took you out of it. There was a three page digression about Star Wars. Yeah, where she locked herself in the closet and was imagining she was Princess Leia. Man, I completely missed that. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That doesn't sound like it was necessary. As I said, that really took took me out of it. Um, I was reading it going, what is this about? Um, That was the worst offender in the the cultural references things. Um, But, you know, I'm... I'm, There is enough of an interesting setup um, and setting that I'm I'm curious to see what, what, what happens in the rest of the series. I am too. 
I am too. And I think, uh, you know, really the criticism uh, should be applied once the trilogy is completed as a whole. Because yeah. we're only, we're judging part one. It's And like, it's very, in, like the way it finishes, it very intentionally is part of a, a longer series. Like this is not standalone at all. Um, I, I, th- I think it could work by itself. Oh man. I, I think mean, you could leave it there. I mean, Jesus, she literally cut it off mid-conversation. It was very, it was very like, like there's more coming here, pal. Don't worry about it. Um, that that last sentence, that la- I think the last sentence was like, "But I am not human" or whatever, which is a cool last sentence to end on. Yeah. Uh, but it was one where I was kind of like, "Wait, so does that mean that like you were going to go against everything that was just said in the previous paragraph, or you're going to go with it? What do you mean I am not human here? It just it feels like it. It's basically a question that's begging to be resolved. Um, in the next ones. Um. But I agree. I think there's a good enough start to it that I'd be interested in what in reading the rest of them. And it was also uh, credit to Lindsay as well. It was also dead easy to read. Um, like this wasn't China Medieval, where you kind of need to uh, get out the dictionary and take it a page at a time. This was a f- like a fun book to just comprehensible could, prose. Comprehensible prose. You could do it while doing. I could listen to it while doing other stuff and not have to be intently focused on it, which is a, a relief sometimes. Um, anyway. Axiom's End, I give about 5 out of 10. Um, first Contact is hard. That's my TLDR. Um, now, next book in the series, Bill. We, we said we said Broken Earth Part 2. And I do really want to read... read or the, Yeah, no, Broken Earth Part 2. I do really want to read that. But a thought occurs. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, would you be interested in this? Uh, again, under our sort of thing about, like, we want to read something that's very world-building or conlanging centric um you've mentioned before about the mars trilogy and you've mentioned a lot about how they discuss things like the constitution of mars um lots of lots of stuff like that i was and i've never read the mars trilogy so i was like maybe we could read the you could reread and i could read the first book of the mars trilogy is that a good idea does that fit our, our gamut um i can't remember how much happens in the first book oh dear that bodes well <laughs> I don't know, I, just, I haven't read it in several years. Um, I should be able to see it from here. Where have they gone? Someone stole the Mars trilogy. I could, no, I could see Green Mars and I can see Blue Mars, but I cannot see Red Mars. Uh, um, but sure, yeah, let, why not? Yeah, okay. Sure. So, so let's set that for the, not next month, but the month after. We'll read, um, what's the author? Stanley Robinson? Kim Stanley Robinson. Kim Stanley Robinson. Uh, links in the show notes. It's Kim Stanley Robinson's uh, the Mars series. Red Mars, you said. Red Mars is the first book. First yeah. Book. So we'll read book one. Uh, people have a, have a have a go at that too, and we review it in two months' time. Okay, billion. Excellent. Now two and a half hours. A, a short show. This is not. Man, again, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you again. I know sappiness, but I that's all right. I <laughs> I really enjoy our getting together, and now it's going to be a solid monthly basis, and it's great. So I missed the chats over the past few months, and looking forward to next month. Likewise, bro. Uh, thank you for listening, uh, everyone. Thank you for supporting the show over on Patreon, particularly when I'm late with projects, and you continue to support. That is just so awesome. Um. Yeah, and I will see you. We'll see you all in Reddit and next month. Until next time, Edgar, Edgar out. out.